everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Ryzen and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc., etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I'm joined once again by my faithful co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey, y'all. How things going? <laughs> and today, we have a very special guest with us. He is the host of one of my favorite Pure Resu podcasts, MLW's The Eastern Lariat, which he co-hosts with Striga. With us, we have Dylan Fox, all the way from Tennessee. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us on, on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Andrew, I'm so excited to be on here right now. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it when you gave me the call, gave me the message to be on here, but because you knew that I was starting in the MMA world, the JMMA world specifically, uh, you had your eye on me, and I really thank you for listening to my show, The Eastern Lariat, as well, uh, and I was very happy to do this show because I'm somebody that, when it comes to MMA, I'm not really, uh, I was telling you off the air, I'm more of a greenhorn when it comes to the MMA scene. I know a little bit, whenever there was any Japanese wrestlers that would go into MMA, like when they had Hota in, in the ropes and do all that crazy stuff, uh, I, 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 I would follow that. But more so than anything, MMA to me, I for a long time, I really wasn't into it when it came to the UFC in America um, when I was younger. Uh, I trained martial arts when I was younger, but always more flashy things like wushu and escrabut, not necessarily stuff that would work in uh, MMA for the most part, you know, the jujitsu style and everything. So um, to get into this experience was uh, really cool for me, and I'm really getting into Ryzen. I've been watching the year-end shows recently. I've been catching up, leading up to this show, because this is really, to me, Ryzen 6 is like my first foot into the pool like truly i was kind of a casual observer somebody from the distance that didn't know really anything you couldn't call me any kind of person but now i want to get into it and i've done a lot of research for this show and i'm ready to go man i think this is a great uh show as well to get into because um it is uh, one of it is taking place at Kobe World Hall, and also, you know, as everybody would, would know, especially you, Dylan, you know, that, that's Dragon Gate's uh, home territory uh, for their big shows, uh, I think, in the summer, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, usually July, they have their big shows, uh, DG does. Oh, so, I mean, you'll... to think of it, Dylan, and I hate to interrupt, even though it's kind of my thing, <laughs> but doesn't... It's all good, brother. Doesn't Pro Wrestling Noah also do shows at Kobe World, or is it just Dragon Gate? No, no, other companies do it too. DDT has a, a big show. New Japan's ran there uh, more than one occasion. So really, uh, pretty much a lot of companies run Kobe. Uh, so, uh, more so Dragon Gate is, uh, this is kind of their grounds, but they do run Kobe. Other. Right. Um, I've been listening, uh, just the Eastern Larry podcast. By the way, for all anyone who doesn't know, Eastern Larry podcast, you want all of your pure resu uh, coverage, whether Japan, Artem, that's that's pure resu related. That is a podcast. It's it. All time I've been listening. I remember the first episode when you came on. Uh, uh, to uh, take over for him after he uh, after he moved on, 
Uh, and so that's how long I've been listening to the podcast. That was only supposed to be one week uh, because he had all those months where he was supposed he had all these different guys on, and I was just one of the names. But uh, a lot of people really liked me for whatever reason on that show. Uh, and listening to this, you'll probably think, well, "What an idiot Stringer was!" Not to have this guy on, but a lot of people really popped for me. My appearance on the show thought we did a great job, had great chemistry and all that. So, and it just kept going. You know, it was like one week turned into two weeks. And then I just kept doing it <laughs> pretty much somehow. So uh, it's crazy how things could work. Uh, maybe, maybe you never know when, when the podcast world in the J- Japanese world, whether it's wrestling, MMA, whatever kind of thing, just sometimes strange things just happen. And I think that happened there. And even being on this show, uh, who would have guessed that I would have ever been on? But I was so happy. Uh, thank you so much for praising that. Uh, praising the show and uh, having props for Japanese wrestling too, because I, I know a lot of your listeners may think wrestling's stupid, <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's okay uh, there I, if you do. I think Christian, you can agree with me. In a way, you're kind of like me because I basically stumbled onto this show. I mean, not even knowing what the hell was going on. All I just knew was that I was <laughs> a big fan of Ryzen, also covering for two MMA blog sites, one on Facebook, one on Twitter. And just enjoying, you know, the sight, the sound, the pageantry of rising. But now, seeing the fact that I'm like, what, about five, maybe ten episodes deep, Andrew? I think so, yeah. Um, since my, uh, yeah. my old co-host had uh, But yeah, seeing the fact that I'm like ten episodes deep into this podcast that I'm proud to be on I think I've gotten a little bit more and more of a respective insight for Ryzen and JMMA so I think we could do just well together at least for this show what is so was is that yeah so is that that's on the ML you said that's on the ML on the network I have uh, Alfredo Esparza from LuchaWorld.com uh, uh, Raul Rodriguez, Microman Fever. He translates a bunch of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Microman Fever. Yeah, a legend in, in the lucha world for, for sure. Uh, there, but uh, you know, those guys were really cool. And that was a spinoff podcast I actually did on my own. So that tells you that I must have done an okay job on the, the Eastern Lariat because Court was like, I actually went to Court with it. I was like, why don't we do a lucha podcast? And he was like, Oh yeah, great minds think alike. And I was like, awesome, what do you have in mind? And he was like, do whatever you want. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much how that started on there. So, yeah, I, I love all kinds of wrestling when it comes to Japanese, Mexican, obscure countries. Uh, on my show, I, uh, we run a Patreon in the Eastern Lariat, too, uh, patreon.com slash Eastern Lariat. And there's a, uh, a podcast, the first one we did was about all kinds of, like, biographical stuff. And in it, I because I was seen very young uh and so that really inspired me to check out all kinds of different styles to learn more things so, you know that's really kind of what led me on to mma because shoot style wrestling really led me to mma in the first place because like i said i thought ufc was super boring around, around that time so when i see all this japanese mma i think whoa like this is more like what i know and that's kind of what got me into Ryzen in the first place because I thought it, it had much more of a, uh, a pro-res kind of feel to it than something like UFC, which to me is very dry 
uh, more so than the personalities and the wild spectacle of Ryzen that we've seen in the past, for better and worse. I think also, you know, you, I, I, I think uh, just going back to a comment you said about our uh, our listeners and, and Pure Resu, I think a lot of them may not watch Pure Resu, or, or I'm sure, actually, I'm pretty sure that's a lot do, but also the ones that don't. And I hate to interrupt again, but a lot of people probably don't watch, you know, Japanese Pure Resu or Pro Wrestlingu, as Lenny Hart said, because they don't want to waste okay. time staying up at like 2 a.m. in the morning or obscure times just to actually see something incredible. Listen, don't don't be like me. That would be my advice because my sleeping schedule, I always tell everybody, I, I'm from Memphis, and I tell all my family and friends that I'm on Japanese time permanently. Like, I'll go to bed at very random times, 6, 7 a.m., you know. And to me, this time should be spent talking to women, not messing with wrestling and that's what i did when i was on this show before before i came onto this podcast i was talking to a filipina honey and i had to i had to break it off to do this show that's how important being on here was to me so i just want to point that out as well now that we're starting uh, dude you were well, probably on that night line i mean you were probably on that <laughs> love line shit <laughs> <laughs> hey listen i uh, listen i'm not that desperate the girls come to me you should see some of my twitter dms i've gotten from all kinds of places. You know, that that's the good thing about being up late. It opens my world when it comes to the DM game. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, now anybody from any company can get at uh, any country can get at me, not just America. So that's what here, separates here. me from the others out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, brother. Well, also, you know, I do, I do think a lot of people who, who, there's a lot of crossover between JMMA and Pure Resu. I think there is a mutual respect between the two, considering how close they are. Now, when you get into, like, the American, the Western style of wrestling, that's when you lose a lot of people. That's when pe- that's when the, 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 the JMMA fans start to turn off their brain, because they're like, oh, shit. This is, the, you know, that's, they, that's the stuff they don't want. I think they, are, they, could, they can more or less look at a NOAA or an All Japan or a New Japan um, and, and be like, okay, this is at least something of taking seriously. This is realistic. I can at least watch this or at least understand, oh, okay, these guys have cauliflower ears that are very gross, especially if you're watching Best's ears now and you look at Show's ears. Th- yeah. These guys look like, oh, these are actual athletes mm-hmm. who actually can compete or have competed. So I don't, I don't think there's as much as a disdain for, for pure resu among MMA fans. And actually, even on Twitter, I do see a lot of people who are def- who are big JMMA uh, fans uh, talk about, you know, when New Japan has a show or NOAA or All Japan. I see a lot of them post stuff from UWFI. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of crossover between the two camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Especially with the UWFI stuff, because that led pretty much directly into Pride <laughs> originally. So that that's really cool that that happens. Do you think? Would you say this is just a question? Like I said, as as a new guy to this world, more or less. Do you think there's more crossover with, you know, Ryzen or Japanese MMA, and ProRes, like you know, New Japan Noah, whatever, or the JMMA fans and American MMA, like UFC and things like that. Uh, Bellator and whatnot. Well, in a way, Dylan, when it comes down to what Bellator and Ryzen have pretty much put together, especially with Darian Caldwell now fighting Kyoji Horiguchi for the second time coming up on June 14th at the Garden, 
I mean, you would have to think that Scott Coker, oh, many people see him as a Japanese MMA mark, but no. He actually has respect for the Japanese culture. He actually has respect for Japanese fight culture, and that's why Nobuyuki Sakakibara, the boss of Ryzen, actually has respect for him and his promotion enough to do, like, a crossover event. Oh, well, that's really cool that they've got that. I know they've got a lot of crossover stuff going on uh, now and in the future. Uh, I think, isn't Rena fighting on, a, like, a Bellator card uh, yes. eventually? I think they got another She's going to so. be fighting on uh, that same June 14th card as Horiguchi, but her fight will be a preliminary fight. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I said, we've seen that. Uh, I know UFC had this uh, Shuri Kondo, who is a very famous Japanese wrestler, uh, and a Joshi wrestler, and she was UFC. She, she struggled pretty bad. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty. Get cut in the recent roster wave of UFC talents that just got released, especially over the last 48 hours as of the recording of this podcast, but still... I think that Shuri's style would have probably been more suitable to Ryzen if she would have probably heard about them instead of just going straight to the UFC. But that's just my opinion on that. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. And also, let's be honest, I think her record was, I think her record was, was a little bit... Um, padded. A little bit padded. Though it's funny, um, her first fight was against Kana Asakura. Um, in a uh, mixed martial arts match at Pancras. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go figure with that. Yeah, um, but, all that. Uh, but, you, yeah. You gotta you respect know. her. You gotta respect, Shuri. you gotta respect Shuri right now out here. She's one of my favorite wrestlers. So I always lined up for her fights, no matter where she's at in Pancras or UFC as well. Even though I, I, I was kind of sad watching her get destroyed <laughs> in, in UFC. Yeah, but also, you know, we all get well, sad whenever she gets destroyed inside the octagon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, it just, it just, it just seems to be a, 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 a I get, I don't want to say tradition, but it just seems to be a common occurrence. Japanese fighters just don't do well in the UFC, um, unless your name is Yushin Okami. That's ten. That's ten. Now is Takashi Sato. <laughs> Oh, who's that? Sorry, Christian? Takashi Sato, the guy who fucked up Ben Killer Beast. Ah! Oh, okay, yeah, Takashi, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's, that's, uh, that's, it's just funny how, how things like that work out. Um, you know, you do good in one country, but as soon as you come to another country, and also another, uh, another, uh, a, 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 an entirely different fight, fighting environment, a cage, as opposed to a ring, uh, I'm assuming that probably she, uh, well, actually she fought on Pancras, um, and they, I think they, they adopted the cage, right? Yep, they adopted now? the cage and the unified rules in about, like, 2012 or 13, if I'm not mistaken, it was probably 2013. Oh, yeah, so then, so then she definitely was fighting in a cage at the time, so, uh, so, but, you know, different fighting environment and all that stuff, so, you know. Hey, shit like that happens. Exactly. But when it comes to different fight environments, we're going to talk about Ryzen 16, which will be an entirely new environment, I believe. This uh, this environment will be in Kobe. But uh, Christian, I don't want to take over from you. You want to get the details about uh, Ryzen 16 and all that? 
if you guys can hear me clearly, then yes, we can go ahead and get started talking about Ryzen 16, which, by the way, will be taking place June the 2nd. At, at approximately, for us here in the Central Time Zone, Dylan and myself, at 2 a.m. Yep. Eastern, 1 a.m. Central, or 7 a.m. Greenwich Means Time in the UK, live and exclusively on the Fight TV app, F-I-T-E dot TV, for all you normies, from the Kobe World Memorial Hall in Kobe, Hyogo, Japan. K-O-B-E-H-Y-O-G-O. -O. Now, we got a 13-fight card ready to be fulfilled for all you fight fans to sink your teeth into. But, we gotta talk about, first of all, even though I know this was supposed to have been a main event, we gotta talk about Tenshin Nasakawa and his potential bout with Ahmed Faraji getting cancelled for some odd-ass reason. Now, I know this is supposed to be for an ISKA, International Sport Kickboxing World 57 Kilogram title, but do you think people are afraid to face off against tension? So, are you at, so uh, I don't know, Dylan, if you're familiar. So, supposedly what happened with uh, Faraji was that, well, I've heard two things so far. I've heard, I've heard two things, and I've heard a counter to one of those supposed reasons why he why the fight didn't happen. I heard it initially it was an injury, and then I heard that Faraji apparently pulled out, and then as a result, he was stripped of his ISKA title. That's correct, Christian, right? Um, I, I'm willing to think so. Um, but apparently, uh, people in the French and the French kickboxing media are disputing that he that he voluntarily pulled out. Uh, they are saying that Ryzen is bullshitting. That that is not true. That that apparently, apparently Faraji and um, I'm gonna link you to this to this Twitter um, to this Twitter like um, I guess a thread where apparently he he apparently put a, a, a GoFundMe to Japan early in Osaka so that he can do training in in, uh, in Japan early, uh, before. Uh, like a week or two before the actual fight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll send you that. Uh, I'll send you that thread. But apparently, um, apparently, yes, he's um. So I don't know. Like, so apparently, one side is saying he did kick out the that he did uh that he did uh voluntarily um pull out the fight, which is what the Ryzen uh side is saying. But apparently, he's not. Main thing is that we do not have a main event fight, kickboxing fight anymore, and uh, it sucks. Whenever uh, you hear that tension's gonna be on the card, you're like, ah, let's see tension, presumably knock out some guy. Now it's not gonna happen. And I know that that was also something that you're looking forward to, uh, Dylan, as well. That attention fight, is that correct? Yeah, like he was he was one of the first rising show I ever saw uh, two years ago on the New Year's Eve show. He was on. He was the one that impressed me the most uh, out of everybody on the show. So I was really looking forward to it. But my question is, uh, according to that uh, rumor, I guess you could say, how does this? And, and let's just say Ryzen's full of crap, like uh, he's saying. How does this benefit Ryzen to lose their main event in a show that really needed tension? If you look at this card in terms of star power, 
So how does that exactly benefit uh, Ryzen for this match not to happen? What would you say about that, Christian? Do you think? Do you think this? Do you, what, what do you think about Dil, uh, do you have any? What do you think about Dylan's uh, question? Any thoughts? Well, to be honest, there's only one other star on this Ryzen 16 card, and that's Ayaka Hamasaki. But other than that, you're right. There's really, I mean, they really needed tension to be a part of this card, and obviously he's doing he's doing well. He has. Like a clean bill of health, he knows damn well he ain't gonna have any injuries, especially when he got two upcoming fights coming up. One of them in the Rise World Series tournament. But still, you got, I mean, I can understand this dude is trying to stay active, but is there really any reason for him to risk, to risk a serious injury to possibly take on somebody in Ahmed Faraji or even Giannis Gosev, his sworn rival, that could probably, you know, make a statement by beating the Golden Boy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, any, um, do you, do you want to respond to that, uh, uh, Dylan? Yeah, like I said, I actually think that's a pretty good theory there for why this would happen, uh, more or less, because that was really my thinking, my counter to, to Faraji's claim is that I just feel like this totally hurts the card for Ryzen 16. But if you try to look at the the bigger picture, what you said actually made a lot of sense, Christian. So uh, uh, I, I can... Sorry to jump as well. So attention uh, during his open workout, uh, he responded to, uh, to his uh, opponent. Uh, not... he said, this is what he said. And actually, this is very harsh because tension doesn't really uh this. He said that he called uh, Faraji's ducking desertion professionally disqualifying and public. Uh, he uh, he called it uh, desertion and professionally disqualifying. And he also publicly questioned why Faraji even fights. And um, this was uh, du- yeah, this was during his open workouts. Uh, about let's see what day this was. May, this was posted on May 24th, so May, you know, this was just this past week. So, yeah, Tension's not happy as well about this. Um, but what do you think, do you think, do you think that he did, this guy did pull out? You think, you think it's believed to, believe, to be believed, or did something else happen? And, well, I mean, like, what, what do you think, Christian? Do you think, it's, do you think this guy really is... Because the only thing I can assume is if he's pulling out, if he did pull out, was that he does obviously he doesn't want to pay attention because he doesn't want to get he was too afraid or didn't want to lose the title, but that actually wound up happening anyway because he got stripped of the title anyway. So what happens? Do you think that? What do you think about Faraji if he did uh, pull out? Well, that is true. You can probably say, I mean, you can't say he didn't want to lose his title. But he also didn't want to lose it to the supposed golden boy of the promotion, Intention. But to be quite honest, I think that if it is true that Amir Faraji backed out because he didn't want to lose his spot, that's bullshit. Because we already know that in order to be considered a champion, you have to face off against any and all comers that get put against you. Ahmed Faraji is not honoring that champion's code if he's doing that, and he deserved to be stripped of that title. 
Um, oh, and so I just sent you the, uh, the, the Twitter thread apparently saying that, um, that he was apparently crowdfunding a, a trip to uh, a flight to Osaka, said he could fight for the uh, title early, and then pe- other people disputing that he that he pulled out. And this is um, this is what someone by the name of Baba at Baba Smear said. And apparently, uh, Baba is a uh, he co-hosts a podcast uh, called All Bordering, which I think. Uh, is French for something in the ring? I'm guessing it's a fight, a fighting podcast in the ring. Do I of you speak French by any chance? No. Nope. Christian, I French. Don't even know how to speak English properly. <laughs> okay. Well, so, I'm guessing it's a fighting podcast, and this is what he said. He said, "Why is it are clearly bullshitting? I know for a fact he began camp and was training real hard. Actually, went to Anissa Mexen's gym to spar with her and Yekin Oskul." Uh, O-Z-K-U-L. Why would he do that and start crowdfunding if he was scared? Hmm. And uh, somebody else replied back, I saw his management was teasing his fight in early May. It's just is it, If it's just because they don't want a well-prepared opponent, um, I guess Gusef, Gusef, I guess that's his manager, should keep his phone on and pretend he hasn't been in the gym. Hmm. So, um, it looks, you know, we got, we got one person saying that it's bullshit, that he was preparing, and another guy, uh, another person saying, and, and you know, other people saying that's not. Do you think? What do you think the likelihood that it is bullshit? That you know, that maybe that is there any chance that maybe Ryzen is pulling the wool over our eyes by any chance? I mean, do you think that's at all possible, Christian? I don't think it's possible because I think that when it comes down to how this fight played out and now the fight being canceled, I think Faraji is simply bullshitting. Because he knew well, what you... he was he knew what he was getting into going into this fight. He just didn't huh? wanna lose the title to tension because he knows that tension is young. He's basically a fresher talent. He's making his way up in the fight world. And I'm guessing I'm not willing to guess, but I'm guessing that Faraji I don't know how old he is, but maybe he's on the decline or something. I don't know. But the point of the matter is, he knows damn well what he was getting himself into. He just didn't want to face the music. Dylan, what do you think? Do you think that, um... Well, the same same question to you. Yeah. Uh, Well, as we know, JMMA... It's a very pure industry. No corruption has ever been <laughs> in anything, uh, obviously, when it comes to these sorts of things. But uh, honestly, I just don't understand the thinking behind either side, uh, really, of this story. Because I don't. I think really everybody, with how it played out, I don't think this helped Faraji at all. It didn't help. Sure, I just could probably goofed up. And my gut is telling me that for, when we were all talking that it was Faraji who is lying and especially to be stuff. That to me sounds suspicious as is. Like that's not really a good excuse uh, to, to back out or that, pro- that proves anything to me. That can, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, to be quite honest, I still think that he's bullshitting. Because he's supposed to be, 
I mean, to be quite honest, I still think he's bullshitting because he's a champion, but he's not acting like a champion. I mean, if anything, he's probably pulling a fucking Conor McGregor and picking and choosing his fights. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you know, uh, like I'm definitely more likely to believe that he's full. You know, he's the one that's lying. Right. About, about all this, like I said before they go from me. So I am, like I said, I just don't think ultimately it hurt everybody. It hurt Faraji. His reputation is pretty much in the toilet now. And this was probably his, this was without question the biggest fight of his career. Mm-hmm. Ryzen loses a main event on a show that they desperately needed. Because they just lost uh, the ability, like you said, Christian, the golden boy of the promotion, the fan. So really, Tension's the only one that, that uh, gets a little bit of a pass here because he can rest up for his matches next month as well in the, in the Rise tournament. Mm-hmm. Also, just to let you know, Christian, he uh, Afraji is 25 years old. Oh. So, yeah, he's, he's he's not that much older than Tension. About, uh, I think, four years older? Four, four or five years older than Tension? Five. If he was born yeah, in 1994. So. No, wait, actually, yeah, four. Because Faraji was probably born in 94. Obviously, Tension was born in 98. Yeah, so, you know, he's, he's nowhere near the end of, of his career. And, you know, probably like all kickboxers probably started when, like, he was, like, two years old or something. Or, you know, the absurd absurd young age that most kickboxers started at. Uh, but I'm also, I'm also reading other stuff about apparently this fight was not going to be under ISK rules. That was going to be under... Uh, Freestyle rules, uh, using the new ABC rule set. You know anything about this, Christian? The Association of Boxing Commissions. Do we really need to get off into a tangent about those morons? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but apparently the free the freestyle rules don't allow knees, spinning back fists, or any clinching whatsoever. Uh, Yanis Gusev, who I did mention before, has the ISKA. Uh, K1 uh, rules title at that weight. So, it may be, I don't know, is there any slight possibility that he was led on to make that maybe the rules were not clear and when he, when the rules were like made, made clear, he just decided, you know, that's not what I'm used to fighting under or something like that. It was like, nope, no go. Something along those lines? Probably so, but who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, regardless, uh, the original main event, Tenjin Asakawa versus Ahmed Faraji, is now off the table. Um, and now, presumably, I'm guessing that there will be a new main event, which we'll talk about later. Um, but also, there was somebody else who was supposed to fight in the card who actually didn't get a fight, but uh, was announced. It was, we were supposed to have Kai Zakura back on this card as well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Kai Zakura is dealing with a, um, I believe, an injury. I can find out the exact injury right now um, in a second. But my guess is probably that um, he was... I think that they were going to probably try to do the Okazazaki fight again. Um, Okay, so uh, Kai Zakura was forced to withdraw due to a broken orbital bone, which happened during fight camp. And... Orbital bone injury is not something that is an easy... it, It is a... It is a bitch of an injury. I've never gotten it, but I the fights that I've seen, 
those fighters, you know, they don't come back the same. You know, Roy McDonald, after his fight with Robbie Lawler, where he, uh, I, I believe it was his orbital groan that broke in their second match. Uh, that, that, actually, that was, a, that was the, 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 the injury that caused him to just, just lay down and just say no more, no more during their uh, title fight. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been the same fighter since. And even he admits that, you know, he's, a, he's not the same fighter since then. Yeah, um, I Roy McDonald's counting his blessings every day that he's even getting a chance to fight after some crazy stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, I know, I'm trying to think of other fights where Orbital Bones have broken, but uh, yeah, Orbital Bone, yeah, damn, that is, you know, it says that he's fully expected, expected to cover, and t- full recovery is expected to take two months. Oh. I, that is, that is... I don't. That's 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 underselling it. Two months for an orbital bone injury is that is way too short. Yeah. At most, maybe four. I think. Yeah, at the very that's least, it. he probably could have been on the injured list for six months, dealing with that. Maybe a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, you you ever get an orbital bone injury? Oh, thank God I didn't. <laughs> like I said, uh, I'm very lucky. I've had injuries in the past with concussions as well as uh, my knee that I, I've injured in the past. Um, but for an orbital bone injury in a fighting, uh, you know, context, it has to be just devastating, I feel like. And uh, really, that is what you're the main target for most people, you know, depending on your style, If you're, unless you're, a, you know, a ground wrestler or something like that. But if you're striking, that's what you're looking for for the most, and that's the thing you're trying to protect the most because that's your weak point. So an orbital bone injury, not just physically, but mentally, that has to throw you through a loop, I feel like. So I, I, I hate it for him that he's going through this, but he must be brave if he wants to come back that fast for him. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it fucks, yeah, it fucks up your, your nasal passages, it fucks up your nose, it fucks up yeah. your eyes. Basically fucks up, like, so you can't see, or you, or you have trouble seeing, you can't breathe. So basically, you, every, every your two things that are essential... In a fight, you have either lost or severely negated. So, if he recovers in two months, I have no idea how he does it, but good on him. But I don't see him being back in two months, if at all. If he does, I will be sincerely surprised if that happens. If anything, he looks good. To hold him off until the New Year's Eve show or the April 2020 show, should they even get to it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, sorry, Dylan, you were, you were going to say something? Yeah, I said I thought he looked really good on the year-end show last year, uh, December 30th show, over Moon, uh, Jae-Hoon Moon. Mm-hmm. I thought yes. he looked really, really strong. In that yes, fight. yeah. Um, but uh, uh, we're gonna, enough about the fights that won't be happening. We're going to talk about the fights that are actually going to be happening. And so, Christian, I give the floor to you. Start off with the fights. Ah, yes. There are going to be eight mixed martial arts contests and five kickboxing contests. How do you guys want to start it, and what fight should we start off with? Well, um, do you want to go by how the Tapology has it listed so far? I know that Ryzen hasn't officially released an official card list yet. Um, but, uh, I guess we could go by how Tapology Sound, uh, has it listed, because that's, that seems like it could be pretty close to, uh, what they, uh, what, how they actually, uh, book it, I think. 
Yeah, but here's the thing. We don't have any data on the kickboxing bounce other than the Kizaimon Saiga fight. But what I can do is what I mean, what I can really do is, you know, start off with the MMA bouts and go work our way up from there. Well, how about this? How about, you know, since kickboxing, um, uh, since, you know, kickboxing, you know, why don't we start with that and we, then we get to the meat, which is the MMA stuff, which I, I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to. Uh, I think I think I think the MMA the MMA is a, is a draw. Actually, quick question before, right before we get into this, do you think they're gonna find a new opponent for tension, uh, Christian, or do you think they're just not gonna have it at all? They're just gonna give him the, the day off. Unless it's Giannis Gulsa, who was also a ISKA World Champion, I think that they're not gonna, you know, mess around and give tension a new opponent. They're just gonna tell him, hey. We know you need your hands for Koki Kameda. We know we need your feet for Suakim. We're just going to give you some time off so that you can work on both of those fights so that you don't risk serious injury. Because I think that if they don't, I mean, even if they do give Giannis Gusev, I mean, even if they do give Tension a fight against Giannis Gusev, it would be risking, like, serious injury for him. Dylan, any thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning when you were talking about that, Christian, that I think that makes a lot of sense for him just to focus on the tournament uh, next month. And for me, with this fight going how it did, it seems kind of, even if they were to find somebody on such short notice, it really wouldn't be, you know, it would be practically an exhibition for Tension to win, and it wouldn't be seen as a true victory, more or less. It wouldn't be that big of a deal if he won. Uh, really, the only thing that that the only purpose that would serve is to have tension on this card, which they may think that they need that considering the way the card is shaping up. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I would say I think it's they're probably just gonna le- let it be. Uh, really. Well, here's the thing, you know. I'll say this: I don't know anything about how tickets are doing for the show. That you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. Take it for what it is. Usually, you hear about sellouts. Um, because what, what, any company that sells out or is post-selling out, they want you to know. So I don't know, you know, maybe tickets aren't doing as well. Uh, but we won't know until the actual day of the show, probably, how uh, what the attendance is. In terms of, uh, you know, does tension not be on the card affect, you know, ticket sales? Oh, probably. It absolutely does. But if you think about it, this event is probably going to be, I mean, this event is taking place in the Kansai region in Japan. So, I mean, Dylan, would you basically say that, and I know that you know a little bit about the Kansai region from your days of covering professional wrestling, pure wrestling, but would you basically say that the Kansai region is a big hotbed for fighting? No. No, like they're, that's more, and it's not Tokyo. Well, let's just put it that way, at least when it comes to the wrestling region. If, 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 there is, if you know better than me and MMA has a huge history there, I may be wrong. But just for purely wrestling, uh, that's not as far from a hotbed when it comes to that. Right, right, right. Like when I think of, when I think of Kobe, I just think the Dragon Gate show. I just think of the yeah. other, other, other summer, big summer show that they have at Kobe World Hall, same arena. Like, the thing about Kobe is that, like, 
it's so far from, from, from where central Japan is, from where Tokyo is. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's, it's a major city, but yet it seems like it's so far off the beaten path. It doesn't seem like there is, like, I don't know how to say, it's like, I'm just like curious as to why they would have a show in Kobe of all places. You know, they, you know, not Osaka, not Kyoto, not uh, Fukuoka. Not you know, Yokohama. these maybe yeah, not Yokohama. Yokohama yeah. You know, cities where where you know, you know, you hear about these cities because you know, New Japan goes there or all Japan goes there. But like uh, Kobe, really? Kobe of all places? It just it just didn't make any sense that like why it just seemed like an odd city to have a show in. It doesn't say you know yeah it's, I I can't explain it. As for if they get an opponent, they apparently said that they're going to get an opponent for him. It's already a week to the show. I don't know any kickboxer who would want to fight tension on a week's notice. You know, it would make no sense for any for anybody to take that fight unless you were so desperate for money. Or desperate, maybe for you know you you're just so confident that you can maybe win. Even that, no, like it makes no sense to have him. Listen, have him come out be in Kana Azakura's corner when she comes out for her fight. That'll be tension coming out for uh to uh to uh to support his girlfriends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know Kobe, just a weird city to have a, a show in. You know, I'm looking at the map of Japan right now. You know. Other, they could have had this in Niigata, Fukushima, Yamagata, uh, Kanazawa, Toyama, like cities that like where I know that were were have where fights where fights and pure resu have been done a lot before Nagoya even. Nagoya is a big kickboxing um uh uh place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but, you know it just seems to have you know have this many kickboxing bouts and this and this and this type of card in Kobe. But I'm not, I'm done I'm done digressing. Um, Maybe they should do what we've seen in the what we saw with Pride when they brought in uh, New Japan wrestlers to fight Krokop when they brought in Nagata. They can bring someone in from from New Japan to face him on short notice. Mm-hmm. Ah, but how about one of the Dragon Gate guys? How about Ben K? Ben K versus uh, Tension in a kickboxing match. But yeah, Ben K. That's that's not a good weight class difference or difference though. You have to have somebody super small on uh, there. Uh, oh, okay. Unfortunately, yeah. the one the one guy who maybe would be even close is not even with drag game. Well, I think L. Lindemann might be the closest in in, in any sort of realm of Tetsuya's weight class. I think. Nah, there you go. Hayashi, aka L. Lindemann. He still wrestles for Dragon Gate, even though he. Obviously, wrestles for Oriental Wrestling Entertainment in Shanghai, and just as recently as May 25th, he wrestled for All Elite Wrestling. But that's another story for another yeah. time. Uh, how about just get Stalker Ichikawa and call it a day? <laughs> yeah, that would be a real shit show of an exhibition. But still, <laughs> let's go ahead and let's get to the fights before the fans turn our yeah. interest away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the first fight on this card is a 152-pound catchweight kickboxing bout between Yuya Shibata, no relation to the MMA fighter of the same name, whose nickname is Monkey, versus Yuki Straiku Tanaka. First of all, the particulars. 
what little particulars I could find of these fighters. Yuya Shibata, 5'10", 152 pounds, age 25, born December 11, 1993 in Osaka-shi, Osaka, Japan, fighting out of TB Nation. There is no record whatsoever to find of this guy. I mean, all I do know is that he shares the same name of an MMA fighter whose nickname is Monkey. And for Yuki Striku Tanaka, 5'9", 152 pounds, age 37, for February the 25th, 1982, fighting out of Taki, fighting out of Taki City, Mie, Japan, representing BFA Seed. And according to the official K1 Japan website, k1.co.jp, his professional kickboxing record is 21 wins, 7 losses, 8 of those 21 wins by way of KO. So, now that we got all the particulars out of the way, who do you think is going to win this fight? Well, before we go into that, I do have a little bit of information from the Ryzen uh, official Instagram okay. on, uh, on the two fires. So, Yuya has 22 wins, 10 KOs, 10, 12 decisions. He has 11 losses and 3 draws. Okay. Finishing rate of 45%. Okay. Yeah, uh, 45%. Uh, he's 177 centimeters. Uh, I'm stupid with converting math, so somebody else can maybe do that. He fights, he's fallen for K1, Deep and Kick. Deep Kick, excuse me, sorry. Um, born December 11th, 1993, so he's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, they write that Yuya's basic level is very high and everything he throws can cause damage. He fights calm and always sticks to his game plan. And uh, let me see uh, what they say in the press release as well that they sent me. Uh, he's a deep kick champion. They they, they promote him as. Um, sorry, Christian? Were you, you going to say something? Uh, okay, so he's basically... I mean, he's basically a top fighter is what you're saying. If he's a yes, uh, champion. Uh, now, uh, uh, now the other guy, Tanaka Strike Yuki, is the name that that they give him. Um, so I'm guessing that that Strike Yuki is the gym he trains out of. Uh, he did he on that route where he's BFA seed, by the way. Yes, uh, he he right that. Uh, well, here's his record. He's 21 wins, 8 knockouts, 13 decisions. I think I already read that, dude. He's 21. Oh, oh you read it? Oh, okay, sorry. He's 27 uh, yeah, he did. with 8 knockouts. Okay. Um, he was born December, of, excuse me, not December, February 25th, 1982. So he is 37 years old. Mm-hmm. 136 uh, centimeters tall, which I'm not so sure. Uh, again, dude, don't know I the... I uh, read the fucking height for him in... Oh, you did? I'm, I'm sorry, Christian. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's I'm okay. taking over you. It's okay, damn it. Let's just go ahead and go on. <laughs> uh, he, uh, they write, uh, Tanaka is an unorthodox fighter with vicious power in his hands. This fight will see who gets to execute the game plan better. Standard, Yuya versus unorthodox, Tanaka. So, I want to see what else that they wrote in the uh, press release. Uh... Uh, they, they, they promote him as Osaka's favorite. So he's an Osaka homeboy, apparently. Ooh, okay. 
And so the big difference between the two is uh, also, yeah, the finishing rate uh, that he has is 38% they put it at. Okay. So we have one guy, Yuya, younger, higher finishing rate. Uh, but let's see, the amount of fights that they've had. Uh, Yuya, 33. Um, I'm sorry, 30, uh, Yeah. So one guy who's older, uh, less fights, um, less finishes. The other guy, younger, more fin- uh, more finishes, seems to have more experience overall. Um, but the, it looks like they're, they're, they're promoting this as a standard, t- uh, the, the guy who fights just like a, a regular standard kickboxer versus a guy, uh, Tanaka, who's unorthodox in his, uh, in his presentation, in, in how he fights. Hmm. Um... Dylan, I want to give you the opportunity. Is there any thoughts? I know that there's not a lot to go by uh, with this. Right? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, anyone you pick? Any any or any sort of thoughts of doing this fight at all? Yes, uh, that was a very scientific breakdown you just gave there to, with the percentages and. Uh, like you said, basically we figured out that one man is younger but has more experience than the old guy. But uh, the Osaka's favorite, obviously, Osaka, nowhere near Kobe. Uh, re- relatively near it, but uh, still, not in Kobe. But Tanaka has the difference. He has the nickname with Strike, or Strikeu, as you pronounce it, Christian. So with that said... Uh, to me, my pick always goes with the nicknames. That's my theory in fighting and in life. If you have a nickname, that makes you the favorite. So I'm going to go with the old guy, Yuki Tanaka, to win this one. Yeah. But... Also, here's the other thing as well about Shibata. Apparently, he's also an MMA fighter. I mean... Oh. Uh, is this, is this, also, this, is the, this also is the wrong Shibata that I'm seeing? I'm saying... Uh... Uh, they're very close in age. No, that was me. I'm being stupid, but they're very close in age. One's 25, the other one's 27. There's and they both fall on deep. Yeah, there's a different you, your Shibata. Holy shit, I, I was like, oh, there, he's actually an MMA fighter as well. Pardon me for that, for that fuck up, but uh, sorry, Christian, go ahead. What were you going to say? I mean, I was trying to basically say, if Yuki Strike Tanaka has that nickname, has that fighting style, has that pedigree, you would expect him to have more knockout finishes. Meanwhile, Yuya Shibata is, albeit less experienced, but he knows how to finish people and not think twice about it. So I think that in the terms of him... I mean, in the terms of Yuya Shibata, I mean, I think that he's probably going to get the win against, I mean, I think he's probably going to get the win against Mr. Strike Tanaka, Yuki Strike Tanaka, but I think that when it comes down to Tanaka, I won't be surprised if that striking offense will be displayed, on full display, on this fight card. You know... For a guy who has a nickname, who goes by Strike, you know, who's also older, I'm always partial to old, older fighters. 
Because as an old person such as myself, I kind of like to see the old guys get a win. I'm, I, I like to see them pull out, because you know, MMA, or fighting in general, tends to be a younger man's sport. Mm-hmm. And there's always something satisfying about someone who's much older, get that, get the win over a guy who's younger, maybe more, I guess, more energy, that sort of thing. Younger, hungrier, and more focused. Exactly. Um, also, you know, the guys from Osaka. I love Osaka. So I do have to, that is also some points there as well. He's also born on the same month as me, February. So that has some more points as well. Um, and you, but you do bring up a good point about about the knockouts, and also the fact that the guy that that his opponent Yuya has has more fights under his belt despite being younger, which I shouldn't be surprised about, because uh, you know kickboxers you know start so young, they really do. <laughs> yeah, um, out of Thailand, dude. <laughs> oh, 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 God! Don't even get me started. Hundred fights by the age of ten. Give me a break. Um. Uh, but also, here's the thing, he has seven losses, so he's lost less than his opponent, who's lost 11 times, 22 versus 11, as opposed to 21 versus 7. Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Tanaka Shrike Yuki, not only based on him being an older gentleman, having having the name Shrike in his name, being from Osaka, but also based on the fact he has less losses. 22-11 22 and 11 is a great record, especially when you have 10 finishes. But 22 and 11, that's still, you know, it's getting very dangerously close to, it's not going to say close, but but it's closer to an under 500 record. Mm-hmm. So I do have to say, take that into account. Um, I'll say this though, Yuya is a much more handsomer man, so he does have that. But uh, I think, I think age will win, in this case, before beauty. <laughs> Age before experience, you mean, dude? <laughs> uh, well, listen, if you look at Yuya, you de- can definitely tell uh, he comes from the he, he comes from the school of, oh, this guy is also a, uh, a pretty good-looking gentleman. So, yeah, I can understand, uh, you know, ah, uh, okay. It's so funny how, like, some, some of these kickboxers are like, oh, you have this many fights, yet you look like a model. Like a Taiju Shiratori or something like that. Like, how do you do that? It makes no sense. Hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Tanaka Strike Yuki on this. I Completely know. agree. Yeah. I don't blame I you for, uh, for uh, picking uh, Yuya, though, uh, Christian, at all. Yeah. I hope it's a good fight. I'll just say that. I hope it's a good fight. I hope uh, that these two relative, unknown, uh, relative unknown fighters, the general... JMMA kickboxing world. I hope they realize that this might be their biggest shot to put both their names out to uh, out to everybody who might not know who they are. Mm-hmm. Especially considering the fact that it's going to be shown to a global audience on the Fight TV app and Fight TV. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now to the Jeez. second contest of the evening, which is also a kickboxing bout. But this time it's a 130, no, a 123-pound kickboxing belt between Seiki Ueyama and Kingo. Now, 
the particulars from Tapology, unless you're going to get the particulars from K1 or something like that. For Seiki Ueyama, he is 5'5", 123 pounds, age 23, born March the 22nd of 1996, fighting out of the Phantom Dojo in Osaka. His opponent, with a singular name, Kingo, 5'10", 123 pounds, age 24, born the 4th of July, 1994, representing Seigokan and fighting out of Kobe, Hyogo, Japan. I got nothing. <laughs> well, I'm going to put some, I'm going to give again some background on, on these, on these gentlemen. Okay. So, uh, they are for, uh, Yui, uh, Yui, uh, Yuiyama, uh, they, he is a shoot boxing guy. Uh, they say he's a bantamweight champion. Um, oh. they say you are, they say you, Yuiyama has great hands and quick combinations from several angles. Um, you gave his record. Uh, already, um, so, and yet, yeah, also, yeah, uh, you give his record, you mind me? Oh, I thought you gave his record. I do have his, I have his record right here. 21 wins with 9 KOs, 12 decisions, 11 losses, 1 draw. Oh. 43%, 43% finishing rate. Um, his opponent, Kengo, uh, is described, and this is all from the Ryzen, uh, official Instagram. Uh, Ryzen underscore PR. Uh, Kengo uh, will need to adjust to Yuiyama's angles and stop him from throwing the endless combinations in order to land his own. His record, 11 wins. Uh, there's no information about KOs or decisions. 9 losses, 2 draws. No, nothing about uh, him, about his uh, finishing rate. And uh, for Kengo, let me see what else uh, that they sent in the press release. Uh, by the way, I want to just also thank Kengo very much for having a singular name that a hundred million other Japanese people have. So thank you for making my job so much harder, Kengo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I could find nothing about him when I was, I was oh. thinking about. So much. they describe him as a as well, they also describe him in the press release I got from Ryzen as hard hitting. Shoot boxing is recommended. Uh, Seki, 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 Yuyama will, uh, will be facing hard-hitting Kengo. That is all they have. Uh, and also next to his name, they have uh, ABW. That's a, a boxing organization, if I'm, if I'm correct, right, Christian? Probably so. I mean, if it's ABW. Mm-hmm. Um, based on the fact that Kengo gave me such difficulty trying to find research on him, I'm tempted to just vote against him, but in all seriousness. Um, 11 and 9 versus 21 and 11 uh, versus a boxing champion, Bantamweight champion. Um, yeah, Yuiyama. I don't see it. I don't, you know, I know it's, you know, I know you got nothing, but if you just told me, like, everything that was just, I just said, I would pick go of Yuiyama. He's a shoot boxing champion. How the fuck do you go against somebody who's a shoot boxing champion? Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so here's the other thing as well. I've only missed this. They describe Yuiyama. They say Western Japan's karate ace, Ooh. Kengo. Wow. So he's from Western Japan. So, uh, where the f- I'm trying to think of like, where the fuck, like, what, where could he be from Western Japan? 
So they're like, uh, Dylan, so like, what's in Japan? Is that like Niigata, Gifu, like that area? Do you happen to know? Didn't you say he was from Kobe? No, 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 I didn't. No, he's, he's from, from the... Oh, you said he no, he's from the prefecture of Hyogo. I just assumed that he was from Kobe. Oh, okay, gotcha. The hometown hero right now, you just picked against him. You're going to ruin the dreams of all the Kobe faithful. Well, well, listen, here's the thing. Kengo, you go by a fucking last name. There's a million people in Japan that have the name Kengo. Here's the thing. Kujita, that's a pretty unique name. You can look up people with that name. Bushi, you can look up people with the... Uh, Bushi's pretty easy to find because, you know, there's one wrestler in Japan who has his name Bushi. If I'm looking up kickboxers, Taiga, you know... Taiga is, you know, he only got a unique name. There's other kickboxers. Um, Hiroyuki, uh, you can uh, also look up. Easy. Kengo is a... There, I know a Kengo in Japan. There's a Kengo who's the wrestler, Kengo Mashimo. There's 10,000 other Kengos in Japan right now. And when you try to look up Kengo kickboxer, it doesn't pull up a lot of results. I'll tell you that. Exactly. But in all seriousness. Um, I'm, I'm picking, uh, Yuyama to knock out the hometown hero. Uh, Chris, uh, Dylan, what do you think? Listen, even they don't know his percentages, uh, uh, there, so that, that should tell you something right there. I think you, uh, maybe they just found somebody, uh, that maybe could get the crowd pop. Maybe, you know, he have some friends and family in the crowd and they can watch him fight Yuyama and Yuyama will knock him out in all likelihood. And also Yuyama is an Osaka guy. Again, I love Osaka. I always gotta go with Osaka. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just looking at um. Uh, the women in Osaka often dye their hair many different colors, which I appreciate as well. <laughs> so it looks like it looks like uh, Yuyama's only two losses in shootboxing that are on, on uh, Tapology are against Taiki Naito, who obviously Taiki Naito is one of the, is one of the top shootboxing guys in Japan. Um, so he, you know, the wrestler wins, um, a lot of, a lot of them finishes. So, you know, he, he fought one guy twice that he, that he was a top kickboxing shootbox, guy and lost against. No, no, no shame in that. Uh, I don't, I don't have anything on Kengo that makes me think that this guy's going to win. Yeah, he's a hometown hero, but you know what? Hometown hero, you know, he, I hope that Osaka once again comes in and, and crushes, in this case, the hometown hero. What do you think, Kengo? Uh, not Kengo, uh, Christian. <laughs> you know, when it comes down to this mysterious Kengo, you said he was 11-9-2, right? Yes. Well, is there any... I mean, obviously, I know... Oh my I, god, yeah. That's a, that's a horrible record. That's actually, yeah. 11-9? I'm sorry. That's actually not a... That's not that good record. You're getting serial, seriously close to uh, under 500 as well. Yeah, How did I even yeah. miss that? But there's not that many... I mean, you basically searched him up, correct? Did there? Yeah, this is. Yeah. I mean, was there any footage on this guy? Seriously. No, no, not, not that I can find. And you know, kickboxing in Japan, you know, some of those things don't even make tape. Uh, I, a ton of those things never make tape. Just like Chinese uh, MMA. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, at least with Yuyama, we have a record. I'll say that. Sorry, hi, Christian. At least with Ueyama, he's also a shootboxing world champion. So it's pretty damn obvious that Ueyama is going to come in, 
looking to make this Kingo guy feel more like, in pro wrestling terminology, a jobber, a hamburger. Yeah. You know, so it's funny, because I usually go for the underdog in this case. But in this case, I don't think the underdog, there's nothing that makes me want to root for the underdog. He's from Kobe. Great. Wonderful. The other guy is a champion coming in, you know, with a good record, 21-11, and 11, nine, nine finishes, 12 decisions. And, you know, the other guy, 11-9, and nine, you know, that's, you know, 11-9 is not, that's a, that's a, 11, 9, and 2, by the way. So, he's had a total of 22 fights, with 9 of them being losses and 2, where the judges thought that both guys were were winners or whatever. Hmm. I think this will be 11 and 10 for Mr. Kengo. <laughs> I guess. I think they should have changed the card around. Uh, I think they should have changed the card around and put Kengo, the hometown hero, to face tension in the main event. That would have been a Monday match for Kengo. In a 130-pound catchweight fight, that would have been fun to watch because it would have just been not even less than three minutes of just Tenshin Nasukawa just dropping that guy. Yes, exactly. Hey, maybe maybe they got that. Maybe maybe they will do it. Maybe maybe the entire car will be shuffled this week. Who knows? Maybe it will be Kengo. They're just gonna. They're gonna ask, "Hey, Kengo, you want to fight tension?" Kengo will be. We'll say hi, and then, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have our tension. This will be the replacement match. Who knows? I know that. I know there's people who are in Rise and who listen to this podcast. So, Dylan, you might have just given them an idea. I said, "Well, you know who to credit if this happens. You know who to, who is the man behind it, and that that is my prediction right there. That we could see a card change, and Kengo is clearly the one. He has all the momentum, the hometown crowd." This is what you want. Give him a chance. Give this underdog a chance. You know, that maybe that's all he ever needed. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, but as long as he doesn't pull a Sepp Petrozelli when he defeated the late Kevin <laughs> Slice and killed Elite XC. <laughs> yes, that could happen as well. Can, can, can you imagine Kingo knocking out tension in the main event? Oh, that was, oh my god. You know, it, would, it would be... The, the this course on JMA kickboxing Twitter, I think I would probably have to deactivate my Twitter just because it would go, it would probably be insanity, you know. You would probably have to go overdrive into blocking some people. Um, oh, yeah. If you thought I was bad at the blocking when Floyd and Tension had their fights, I think I would probably, it would be a lot worse with uh, Ken Go knocking out Tension. I don't even want to think about that. In fact, you know what? I think we've talked about Kengo enough. This is as, mo- as most as the most publicity you'll ever get from a from an American from a Western from Western people paying attention to him. He got his. Let's move on to next fight, Christian. Oh yes, and that next fight is the first MMA bout on the card. It is a 130 pound bout between the nine four and one Takaki Soya and the five two and two Namiki Kawahara. First off, for Takaki Soya, he stands 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighs in at 125 pounds. He is 24 years old, age 24, born October the 15th, 1994. He fights out of Palesta Mashudo and fights out of Masudo Shiba, Japan. He has not had a fight in over two years. 
His last bout was a loss via ground and pound to Kiyotaka Shimizu back at a Shudo event in May of 2017. Other than that, he is a lifelong veteran of Shudo and a one-time fighter in deep. And, no, he is a lifelong veteran of Shudo and a one-time veteran of deep, Grabaka, and Vale Tudo Japan. His opponent, Namiki Kawahara, with a 5-2-2 two two overall MMA record. He stands in at 5 feet 7 inches tall. He once fought as a straw weight, fighting at 116.1 pounds, so he's going to be bulking up in weight for this fight. Age 29, born July the 17th, 1989 in Osaka, fighting out of style MMA studio, and hailing from, tick, 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 Osaka, Japan. He fell a lot more recently compared to Takaki Soya. However, he's currently riding a three-fight winless streak, pretty much. His last fight, I mean, his last win was back on, blah. His last win was back on July 15, 2017, in a TKO win over Yutaro Miromoto. Other than that, he's had a no contest against Yuya Kodama, a majority draw against Yutaro Muromoto, and a loss to recent rising veteran Haruo Ochi. Oh, and aside from most of his career being spent in deep fighting championships, he is also a three-fight veteran of Pancles in Osaka going 1-1-1 one, one, and one in that promotion. So, now that I've explained all of that, I mean, all I gotta ask is, who do you think is gonna win this fight? The guy who hasn't fought in two years, or the guy who's currently riding a three-fight winless streak? Is it all mentioned? You said that uh, Ka- Kahara is going up in weight this fight as well. That's also something that should should uh, that needs to be mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important. Going from 115 to 125. Uh, that's a uh, that's say um actually he's going up from one fifteen to one thirty. So you put in oh. fifteen extra pounds in weight. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I stand corrected. Yeah, I, oh yeah, I forgot this is yeah, this is this is not fifty six, it is fifty nine. Okay, yeah. Um so um just uh, here's a little bit of uh, I'm just gonna give a little background also. So they put uh Soya's finishing rate at sixty seven percent with uh with Kawahara's at eighty percent. They both are characterized as strikers by Ryzen, and they and this is what they write, wrote about the about the fight. The fight between 2013 Shudo's Shudo rookie, uh, that's Soya, versus deep tile challenger Kawahara, will deliver not only new Japanese talent to the Ryzen ring, but an epic brawl and nonstop action. Soya's ability to finish his opponent at any time and Kawahara's speed and aggressiveness is a guaranteed excitement. And I gotta read actually a funny quote. Uh, by Kawahara, uh, who said, "I usually fight a straw weight, but the weight doesn't really, really doesn't matter. Uh, there is a big show in, in my backyard. I got an offer, and I got an offer, so I'm going to fight. I know why I got the call, I, and I will not let them down. Hey Soya, I'm coming up a weight class to brawl with you. Don't you dare shoot on me." <laughs> Hello. And then uh, Soya, um. He, he just thanks Shudo for the opportunity uh, and that he knows that this will be a striking war, but he's going to knock Kawahara out. Uh, so, uh, 
We got Kyle Howard who's saying, hey, let's brawl. No wrestling. Don't you dare shoot on me. And, uh, yeah, so uh, this, is a little, uh, this is a little under the radar fight I'm kind of looking on, looking forward to. Um, you can see a lot of Soya's fights on a UFC Fight Pass since that's where they air the Shudo um, fights. Uh, Kyle Harris, you can find a bunch a, 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 some of his fights on YouTube. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, he, Deep only got into showing their fights on YouTube last year. So yeah, I'll tell you about Kyle Harris. He is one. He is one skinny, weird-looking fella. He really, <laughs> he really is. Like he, he, he's got, he's got weird hair. He looks like he. He looks, I, he looks so brittle. I, I fear that, like, for a guy who fights... He looks so disheveled, not even eating a slice of pizza will help him out. <laughs> not, even a slice, not even a slice of, of, of delicious sushi um, from Japan. Might even put on some weight. But nonetheless, I think this might... I hope, you know, well, here's the thing. Remember, um, I'm trying to remember which, uh, was it, um, which Wise the show was, where we had, um... Uh, Tsunabe versus Ochi. Haru Ochi? Mm-hmm. Deep versus Pancreas? I think um, was back at Ryzen 13. Was it Ryzen 13? Yes, Ryzen 13. So, this was a fight that I, that was a fight I was looking forward to. I thought, okay, you have two two lighter lightweight guys going up, going, champions in their respective uh, in their respective promotions going at each other. This is going to be a fast, it's going to be fast paced, so it's going to get finished in the first, and then it was a three. It was of boringness until Ochi was like, "Okay, this guy is not gonna fight me. I'm just gonna knock him the fuck ass." And then that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, I hope this does not happen in this fight. I hope that both come there ready to deliver. Based on record alone, and from what I've watched from both, um, they're both and their weight. You know. Obviously, Kawahara, I don't think has fought. I don't know if he has fought at fly. Uh, excuse me, or uh, or above flyweight, or beyond a strawweight at this point. So, fights on how he would be on a, on any fight by besides strawweight. I've only seen him fight at those um, fights. I think that Kawahara though might be just the better fighter overall, but Soya will have the weight advantage. But I think that weight advantage is really is really can be, can really be overrated at points. I think that Kawahara is going to take this. I think it's going to be a first. I think it's going to be uh, hopefully a first or second round knockout by Kawahara. But I hope they both deliver. I hope they both. I hope they come to brawl, swing and bang, stand, uh, and all that stuff. Hmm. Any thoughts, Dylan? Swinging and banging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all all day. And I saw a little bit of and I was pretty impressed, uh, to be honest with you. I think Soya, the only thing that I noted, because I, I dropped it so long, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, that hurts him. Yeah, yeah, that, that hurts him, uh, really. Uh, Kawahara, uh, I like the personality, I like the swag that he had. Uh, calling him out and saying, no shooting, it's going to be a brawl. Soya, a Shudo veteran, uh, I'm going to ride with Shudo and just want to over deep and take Soya in, in this fight. 
Okay. Um, also, and uh, Kawahara's last three fights went to a no contest, a draw, and his most recent one against Ochi, who we did mention, was a loss. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't won a fight since 2017, just to uh, put that out there. Christian? Any thoughts? Uh, when it comes down to... Oh, no. Did we lose you, Christian? Oh, no. There we go. Can you hear uh, me? Oh, uh, uh, good. Yeah. 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 Basically, well, what... what I'm saying is, Sawyer hasn't fought in two years. Nakahara, even though he's currently riding a three-fight winless streak, opposite a two-fight winning streak he was on prior to that, I think that... I think that Nakahara is going to take advantage of Sawyer's ring rust, so to speak. Because he knows he hasn't fought in so long that it's basically killing him to go through this training session, to go through this training camp just for this fight. And, I mean, you really got to think about it. In the two years since... Sawyer's last professional MMA bout, I think that not only has Kawahara boosted up his career, but he also fought for a world title. Even though Sawyer is a former Shudo Rookie of the Year winner. But I do think that Kawahara is going to take the win in this fight and take advantage of Sawyer's ring rust because you just can't be out of the ring or out of the cage in two years and expect to fight the same way. It's the same thing when it comes down to most professional athletes when they take a year or two off due to a debilitating injury or due to personal reasons. I mean, you're not going to expect them to play the same way. And I think that when it comes down to fighters, it's the same thing. You just can't come back from a two or three year absence like uh, Chuck Liddell for instance and end up fighting the same way and Chuck Liddell God knows why he took that fight against Tito Ortiz after almost a decade out and got embarrassed in the way that he did but still <laughs> I just don't think that Sawyer is going to win this fight yeah I think you basically that's basically what it is and also you know the other thing is also I'm assuming that Sawyer is probably got the weight cut and all that stuff uh, no, it's, not really a, it's not really a weight cut. It's a weight boost. A weight? Oh, no, it's for, for Sawyer? No, for Kawahara. He's... Oh, no, no, yeah, I'm, so, wait, uh, no, I'm saying that again. Kawahara doesn't really have to worry about that. He can focus on training. He might go in there with more energy than Sawyer. Might. So, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, also he might be just the fresher man mentally and physically mm-hmm. in that match. Exactly. And plus, he knows he has to go in eating, but not overeating, in order to train correctly. Yeah, yeah. For a guy who fights a straw weight, you know, I don't think he has to worry. He'll have to, we'll have to worry about going overweight at all for this fight. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Dylan, Dylan, what were you, you going to say? I said, you guys, you're not understanding Soya. He's been getting his mind right. I heard he's been going out fishing every day for these last two years. He's been meditating. This is a mental game as much as physical. And I, I'm predicting Soya gets the win here. Uh, so I'll stand alone on this one. Well, 
Well, the other thing I'll also give uh, Soya, he does train at Parastra Matsuo, which is one of the top gyms in Japan. So that that is where Kana Azakura, Hiromasa Ogikubo, uh, many other famous uh, Japanese fighters train. So he does have at least that. And so I'll give him that. But I'm going to have to just go with the, the skinnier, more... More, 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 uh, got more finishes, and I, I, who I perceive as the more aggressive guy, as well. Um, I do think it's great. Also, both these guys are coming off a loss, um, and so by giving two fighters who have a loss and saying, "Here, here's a big stage to fight on," made the best man win. I think that's actually great. I want, I, I would actually wouldn't mind seeing much more of that with uh, fighters. Uh, to uh, you know, uh, for Ryzen to say, hey, these two guys lost in these two competing promotions, or these two whatever. Here, have a have a fight here, you know, and we'll sign the winner. And if if uh, if, if uh, Kawahara wins, uh, if Ryzen wants to have more uh, a men's straw weight, you got a guy right there. And if Soya wins, hey, you know what, you got a guy for your flyweight division, and you know who might be a future contender. Uh, for a uh, flyweight tournament or bantamweight tournament, if he wants to go up and wait again. So I say at least kudos to Ryzen for having this, for booking this this match. Exactly. Yep. Now we can go on to the second MMA fight of the evening, and this will be a straight bantamweight bash. As the 21-6-5 Mamoru Ui Full Swing, U-O-I Full Swing, will take on the Puna Hawaii native, the one-man riot, Kana Hyatt, who I was happy to get a chance to talk to over the last week, even though the interview was already up on the Focus Fights YouTube channel and on the MMA Opinion Facebook page, so you guys can check that out for yourselves, but still... The particulars on these fighters. First of all, for Mamoru Ui Full Swing, he is 5 feet 4 inches tall, weighing 134.7 pounds. 33 years old, looks intimidating swinging a baseball bat, as judging by his topology photo. <laughs> he is 33 years old, born June the 15th of 1985, representing Gomes Gym and fighting out of Kobe, Hyogo, Japan, meaning that he's going to have his hometown and home province on his back. Mamoru was a veteran, obviously, of Shuto, right, a three-fight winning streak currently. He is a former Shuto Bantamweight title challenger. He is a one-fight veteran of Tribe Tokyo Fight, a one-fight veteran of Shuto Kings in Germany, and he's a veteran of Demolition, Rising on Heat, Greatest Common Multiple, and Cage Force. Meanwhile, for the one-man riot, Kana Hyatt, he is a 35-fight veteran at 16 and 19 overall, 5'6", 125 pounds, age, if I, oh wait, to hell with it, there is no age on him for right now. <laughs> I mean, I believe want to search on topology, but I know... That for him being as old as he is, I mean, for him being as experienced as he is, he's been fighting since the year 2005. He's probably 
a little older, a little wiser, but much better in this case, even though the 16 and 19 record would say differently. Originally from Pune, Hawaii, of course, he fights out of Team Body Shop MMA under the training camp under the training camp directed by Antonio the Mandingo Warrior McKee, father of AJ McKee, Bellator Bantamweight, and not to mention UFC and JMMA veteran. And also, kind of Hyatt, he is a current, no, he's the current Pandemonium MEZ fight promotion flyweight champion. This will be his 11th fight. This will be his 11th fight in 13 fights overall. No, shit, what am I trying to say? <clears throat> this will be his 11th bout in 13 straight fights overall that he'll be fighting in Asia and his fifth fight in Japan. The previous four were for Vale Tudo Japan. And he is a well-traveled Muay Thai fighter as well because in the few years that he spent in Asia... He also took up a few Muay Thai fights as well. So, I, I mean, and when it came down to the Muay Thai fights that he was talking to me about, it was basically, you know how like 1FC does those fights where it's not, I mean, you're not fighting with 6-ounce gloves, you're fighting with 4-ounce MMA gloves, and your prime objective is to knock somebody out? Oh, yeah, so yeah, uh, well, one in kickboxing, uh, let's try to, let's uh... I don't know if we want to tread those rocks, but I know what you're talking about, Christian. Mm-hmm. But still, kind of high in his basic... I mean, don't let the under 500 record for him fool you. This dude is dangerous. I mean, there's a reason why they call him the one-man riot. I mean, even though his main claim to fame was a 14-second armbar submission loss to Mike Pedro back in May of 2008... This dude, he really is a beast when it comes down to fighting these fighters. And I think that if given a chance, and I told him about the story of, you know, Charles Crazy Horse Bennett, or now felony Charles Bennett, and him knocking out the <laughs> Philip Kimur in seven seconds, that if he fights worth the damn, he will get brought back. Plain and simple. But I just have to ask you guys. Between the 35-fight veteran Kahana Hyatt and the 32-fight veteran Mamolu Oi Full Swing, who do you think is going to win this brawl? Who do you think is going to win this brawl? Um, I'm going to also give a, a little bit more uh, background as well. So, yeah, apparently, Tabahal doesn't have his age. I have his age right here. Every, he's 38 years old, Kahana Hyatt, April 17th, 1981. Oh. Uh, so, he's almost 40. Almost, uh... Uh, almost at the 4-0. Uh, they're both classified. What you're trying to say is he wants one last go-round. Yeah, I don't know. This, you know, for the, I also talked to him as well. The interview will be up on the We Are Rising, um, SoundCloud and YouTube, uh, Stitcher shortly, uh, this week. But, like, you know, he said he, he, he fights smarter now and trains smarter. Mm -hmm. But that, but, but he still, like, I watched his fights. He still seems to fight very recklessly, as uh, no matter what age he was. Um, so basically, they're classified as both strikers, which I think I can definitely agree with. Um, uh, Hyatt, you know, surprisingly has four KOs and nine subs. Uh, actually, I figured he'd have more uh, knockouts. 
but he also has three decisions, while Bolsling has ten knockouts, Ooh. one sub, and eleven decisions. But the finishing rate of, of high is a lot higher at 81% versus full swing at 50%. Ooh. Uh, they're both field, you know, as you said, uh, full swing is 33, high at 38. I don't think the age will matter much. Especially, you know, here's the thing as well. With smart fighters, I don't feel like age ever really affects them as much as, 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 as soon as you go up late classes. Just because you're a bigger person... It's a lot harder on the body. I think as as you get older, a bigger person more because they'll do a lot more physical baggage. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the age is going to be true. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's just describe an epic battle between two sluggers. Full swing constantly swings through the fences, and when he lands, he when he fight anybody will never back down from an offer. This fight will be two powerful veterans trying to take each other's heads off. And let's see, I have a quote from uh, Full Swing. Uh, what was it? He says, I'm here because of Shuto. Fighting on such a big event in my hometown might be the last time in my professional career. So I hope to show the greatness of Shuto and how badass Kobe men are in this fight. Huh. And what did Kana Hyatt say? He said, I'm ready to put on a show for the Japanese fans. Full Swing is a good fighter. I'm ready to go to war with him. Um, and I talked to him as well. You know, he wasn't doing really any trash talking. Basically said, let's go in there to fight. Let's go in there. Let's, let's, let us go in there to fight, not to not to lay on each other for three rounds. Uh, in other words, no wrestle fucking. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know if elbows are allowed in this match as well, but... Um, I think regardless, I think this will end in a knockout from either or. You know, this is really a hard one to pick. I'm, I was thinking about this. I'm like, you would, if looking at the record just on the surface, you would think, oh, full swing. You know, is a type of guy who, what does, you know, like you said, also one man, one man punch. You know, one man, uh, one punch from him, full swing can go down that. But same thing with high, you know, full swing to Hyatt. It's a really tough match to pick. It really is. But, you know, I talked to Kana Hyatt. He made a great case for why he can win this fight. And, and you know, uh, he's, this is a one-fight deal as well, he said. But, you know, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he'll put, I'm sure he'll he'll do his part to put on a tight fight and be invited back. But I think that full swing is going to take this match. I think that full swing will just last longer, and I think he can all. I think he'll be able to. I think he'll be able to draw Kana in and all and, and get and get a knockout win when Kana is when he, when he when his when his guard is down, and that's when that's when that's when Kana seems to lose his fights. He lets his guard down. He gets too reckless. He gets he gets too energetic. He gets too excited, but and I think that's what's going for his own britches. Exactly, yeah. Um, full swing better keep those arms, those hands up though, because if he doesn't, he's gonna get knocked the fuck out. But I, th- I think that Hyatt is gonna let his guard down uh, with this fight. Um, he has fought in Japan before. Actually, funnily enough, two of his losses in Japan were against uh, Hiromasa Ogikpo and uh, Yusuke Nakamura, 
who is also fighting this card as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you bring him back, you know. Losses, and both of his losses were in the Valley Tudo Japan promotion. Yeah, I think that was in a tournament, if I believe. Or one of those fights was in a tournament. Uh, yeah, so, he told yeah. me about that. He probably told but, you that, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, I'm not letting... Uh, it's not the record, you know, that that, that, that I think that, that's making me full swing. I just think that Hyatt, you know, I think he's going to he's gonna possibly let his guard down, and, and that's how he's going to get clocked, I think. What do you think, Dylan? Any thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Uh, I've seen a little bit of both of these guys. Now we're getting up to uh, a little bit more name value the further along the card we get. Uh, Hyatt, I think what you said was very poignant. And a lot of times when you have an idea, like, like you mentioned in your interview with him, basically that he had trained smarter and he fights smarter. But when you watch him, it's kind of, that's just his style. So to me, like I mentioned earlier, that fighting is a mental game as much as physical. And when you get into that ring, it's a whole different story than just practice or what you're thinking. Maybe you want to be a smarter fighter, but when you get into that ring, your instincts can sometimes, when your adrenaline's flowing, the crowd's going, you know, that can kind of change your game plan to going back to it, reverting to who you are as a fighter. And with that said, uh, I think this is a dangerous fight for full swing because of the style of, of Kana. What, like you mentioned, I think this is something where you can, uh, he's a dangerous fighter in that sense, but I'm going to go with the hometown kid here. Uh, full swing gets the win in my book too. All right. Nice. When it comes down to who I'm picking, I'm going to pick Kana Hyatt because he's coming yeah. in with a little bit more experience, even though, like I said, he's coming in with an under 500 record at 16 and 19. I still think he got a lot to prove because I basically, I mean, because he felt excited when I told him about the story of Charles Felony Bennett knocking out Philip Kimura in seven seconds, even though that was the last win on Bennett's record because he hasn't made anything worth the damn sense. But... <laughs> That just shows, you know, to me, that just shows when it comes down to the world of fighting that anything can happen on any given night, especially stuff like what I just mentioned. So I think that if Kana Hyatt could, he probably will pull off something crazy like that, but he gotta, you know... Keep his guard up and make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. Make sure he doesn't do anything careless that can cost him not only the win, but his career. I mean, because you said correctly, Andrew, he's 38 years old. He doesn't have a lot of time left in him. He wants to retire to maybe go into training or, you know, work as a mechanic or something like that. But I think that if he does... If he does well, he will get brought back. And there's not a doubt in my mind I think he won't get brought back if he does well. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, it's, he fired uh, his fought some kills. One of his first fights was against Eddie Yagen, who was one of my favorite fighters when he was fighting. I have no idea where he went, but he was one of my favorite fighters when uh, when he was in UFC. Uh, as I mentioned, Ogi Kubo, Nakamura, um... And he's fought other Jap uh, other people in China. 
and then the Bama and the uh, and Hawaii Regionals came to cage uh, as well. Uh, uh, this guy. And as far as like whether he's gonna retire or not, I don't know. You know, he's a team body shop, and you know, I feel like if yeah, I I feel like even if he wanted to retire, even if he was told to retire, he would say, "Nah, bro, I'm good." Though it's funny you say that because um, if you remember what I read from what Full Swing said, Full Swing said this might be his last match, and he's 33. He's five years younger mm. than Hyatt, and he's had less fights. And uh, so it's funny just how like. I don't think even if this is even if this is you know this may be highest one shot for Ryzen, but I don't think this is his last fight for, for as an MMA fighter. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know his last he Ohio just last fought in March of this year. So he I don't think he has he has any in Honolulu. Exactly, I don't think he has any inclination at all. And, you know, he's going to, I think he's going to be one of those guys always in the fight game. I think, you know, like he told me, he was born, you know, you come from Hawaii, you just, it's just in your blood to fight. It's just a, just a thing in your, in, in, in your blood. So, you know, even if he, even if he loses fight, you know, I'm sure that team body shop, you know, he'll have another fight in Hawaii, you know, maybe he'll get something with Road SD, you know, he'll still be a team body shop, you know, t- uh, training with A.G. McKee to continue that undefeated streak with Bellator. So... You know, it's not, this guy's always giving me the fight game. Full swing, you know, if he if he is really, if he's saying what he really means, that this might be uh, his last fight, then, you know, I think that, that that's just going to motivate him even more to uh, to show why uh, Kobe men are badass, hmm. as he said. Right, right. I think, that, I think I'm, I'm, you know, this should be an exciting fight. Really looking forward to this match. Um, and actually, also, um... Uh, we we forgot to do this before. Uh, do they have the topology uh, picks for this fight, Christian? Oh damn! I totally forgot about those, hadn't I? Oh, don't worry about. It. Don't worry. About it. We only we only missed it for this fight and the other one. So if you just want to read it for uh, both fights, you can go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and read them for both MMA fights that we talked about so far. Takaki Soya, the topology predictors are basically saying that he's gonna win seventy six percent. To 24 compared to Kawahara, I think they're yeah. bluffing. And <laughs> and when it comes down to the fight predictions for Full Swing versus Kana Hyatt, they've got an overwhelming 95% for my boy Full Swing over Kana Hyatt's 5%. But hey, you just don't know what's going to happen when it comes down to these fights. As Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until you until get punched get in the face. Until they get punched in the mouth. Exactly. But regardless, this should be a exciting fight. I'm looking forward to it. Ah, exactly. And speaking of exciting fights, you said something about name value, Dylan. The next fight that we got should be a yep. barn burner. As yep. the native of Baku, Azerbaijan, Tofik Musayev, We'll take on the native of Wayne County, Michigan, USA, the Detroit superstar Darren Crookshank. First off, the particulars and what the fighters had to say, because I got it pulled up on my end as well. Tofik Musayel, 14-3 overall, 5'10", 155 and a quarter pounds, fighting out of, well, who knows where he's fighting out of, 
He's fighting <laughs> out of Baku, Azerbaijan. And since September 18th, 2015, he has been riding a 10-fight winning streak, including knocking the hell out of Nobumitsu Tyson Osawa back on New Year's Eve. In an embarrassing showing for Osawa, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it makes, I mean, you probably didn't see what I was talking about. I mean, what you probably didn't know what was happening at the weigh-ins, Dylan. So I'm going to just go ahead and say it to you. Musayev was displeased of Osawa coming out with nothing but a plate covering his nether regions. <laughs> I mean, listen. I'm already, I, I was already a fan of you for knocking him out for that. So good, good on you, buddy. Mhm. And when it came down to what Tofik Musayev had to say about his opponent, he said, "I am glad to be able to continue my sporting career in one of the coolest organizations in the world. My opponent is a good, experienced fighter, and I will treat him with respect. I will fight him at my best." without any injuries, and made the best man win. And, speaking of his opponent, that opponent is the Detroit superstar from Wayne, Michigan, Darren J. Crookshank. He's 5 feet 8 inches tall, 154 and a quarter pounds, with a 72-inch arm-to-arm reach from one, arm, from one side of the wingspan to the other. 33 years old, born June 11, 1985, representing Michigan top team and fighting out of Detroit, Michigan. He is a Taekwondo practitioner, and he is currently 4-1 in his last five, including riding a rising record of seven. No, including ride. No, what am I trying to say? He's riding a rising record up five and three but that's not the story going into this fight because this is going to be the first fight for him since a little incident that happened in a recent trip to japan for him when he basically no he was making an ass of himself he went by a pet shop that was having a few doggies in the window and he stopped by two unsuspecting people who didn't want to be shown. Obviously, Japan has a Japan has it big when it comes down to not being photogenic, unless they want to show themselves. And Derek Cookshank just basically bashed him and say, "Um, doggy, doggy, yummy, yummy." I mean, basically, he was being a racist tool, so to speak. I mean, I don't know how you can get that. I mean, first of all, let me go ahead and say what he was trying to say about his opponent. He was saying, I'm very excited to fight for Ryzen and the Japanese fans. I look forward to kicking Tofik Musayev in the face. But still, first of all, I want to ask, what do y'all think about this fight? And second, do you think that Darren Crookshank should be more focused about the controversy that he has spread more than this fight that he's about to go into? I think the controversy has blown over. I think it, 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 it was it was news for a day, and then it was gone the next day. Um, if anything, 
He apologized. I know that for a fact that, the, that he probably they probably apologized to people at Ryzen, and you know they just told him don't do that again. You know, just don't do it. Don't do it again, or else you're you're gone. And um, hope hopefully learn his lesson. Hopefully he'll just uh he'll he'll just shoot his mouth uh when he or shoot his shoot his gun now instead of his mouth. That's all I'll say about that. Um, of course but he's he will, because he's a gun-toting, pure American man. That's what he is. Uh, I do, you know, it is, I know, I, you know, I was, you know, some people were saying on Twitter, like, oh, was this fight punishment for Darren Cruikshank? I don't think, I, this fight had to be, like, I think it had to be, like, in talks way before this whole, that whole thing happened. And here's the thing, if you're, if your way of punishing him is, is putting up, Putting him up against Tofayek, Tofik Musayev, I think you don't know how to exactly punish somebody. There's, there's easier, there's much more debilitating ways to punish Dan than putting up a uh, Azerbaijani fighter. Hmm. That's just me, though. Hey, um, I'm glad this fight's in Japan, not Singapore. Otherwise, he would have gotten a bloody back. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. The fight, the fight would have been. Uh, would have been ruled a no contest, but I I, I digress. Oh, so so Tofik Musayev. Oh yeah. So this is how they describe the fight: rising gatekeeper Darren Cruikshank. I don't know if that's exactly a positive thing to say. Gatekeeper. Yeah. Oh no, gatekeeper is definitely a negative term, dude. What the hell would they do? Yeah. Rising gatekeeper Darren Cruikshank will be taking on Tofik Musayev in a 71 kilogram battle. Tofik showed that he is one of the top prospects in the lightweight division when he made his rise debut on New Year's Eve. Darren wants kicking distance. Tofik wants punching and grappling distance. And Tofik is 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 characterized. I agree with that. Darren, a striker. I agree with both of those. So uh, the fishing rate. Darren Crook, seventy-one. Okay. With his wins and six decisions. Tofik Musayev, 100% finishing rates of his 14 wins, 12 knockouts, 2 subs, 0 decisions. Wow. So, yeah, or young, uh, uh, a semi young, I'll say, prospect, um, who um, definitely, I think, that rises would want to find that Eastern Bloc fighter. Uh, for quite a while now, they may have found him taking on, you know, one of their, one of their, their American foreigner Gaijin, you know, Don Fry type, Darren Kushnick. Hmm. I think this is an interesting match. Um, obviously, I think that Kushnick's a better fighter, but but Musayev is a sneaky good guy, sneaky good, but. Is he is he good enough to defeat somebody like Crookshank? I honestly don't know. And so with this one, you know, regardless of what he did, you know, with the whole yummy yummy, uh, want to eat the dog thing, I think that Crookshank takes this. Um, I think that Crookshank is just a better fighter overall. Um. Can he be knocked out by Musayev? Possibly. But then the wrestling. Darren Cruikshank, don't forget, is an All-American. 
uh, wrestler, NCAA, uh, I think it was Division, was Division 2 that he was in, Probably. I think? Division 2. Uh, Division 2. So, you know, I know there's a difference between wrestling in the Eastern Bloc versus wrestling in America. I know there's a, total, a big difference. And you, you can see that with, with people like Khabib Nurmagomedov and other wrestlers from Dagestan and all that stuff. But regardless, I think that Crookshank is probably the better fighter of the two. I think that Crookshank takes this. Any thoughts, uh, Dylan? Yeah. Uh, so I've seen, uh, I was familiar with Crookshank uh, before this show. Obviously, he was a name fighter in America that Ryzen has brought over. Uh, you mentioned the controversy, and you have to wonder if his mouth and his uh, goofy bullcrap, if that actually gives him, like, not necessarily a good thing, but more of a name, more of an edge when it comes to promotion, because that gives you more places to go. Uh, as a fighter, I saw uh, quite a bit of Musev uh, online, and every time I see him, uh, the difference between these two fighters to me, Crookshank, I think, is a, a talented fighter, obviously. Uh, the, the record says that, even his fight. Oh, Musev, to me, he was dominant with what I could see. He's somebody that I think is a, a really talented fighter, great prospect that Ryzen's high on. Crookshank, like I said, I think he's a bigger name. But in this case, I'm going to go with the upset here and take Musayev to take Crookshank out uh, in this fight. I think it's going to be a good fight, though. I think this is going to be one of the better fights on the card by the end of it. Oh, definitely. Hey, I think Musayev is going to take the win, too. I don't want to sound anti-American or any of that BS, but Crookshank needs to be punished. I mean, you're saying, oh, this fight's not that much punishment for him, but... Look at Tofik Musayev. He's on an under. Yeah, don't sleep on Musayev. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why yeah. he's been on an undefeated streak, pretty much. Pretty much undefeated. The dudes. The dude has basically been on a tear for the last four years. And I think that. Even though Crookshank is going to come in as the veteran, he's going to come in as the overwhelming favorite and the top Actually, fan base is basically saying that there's going to be a 55% chance of a Crookshank win, <coughs> look at Musayev. The dude is a prospect on the rise in more ways than one, and I think that Musayev is going to do what he normally does, and that is steamroll through Crookshank for... The first five minutes, or if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if this is going to be a lightweight Grand Prix preview. I mean, you guys can talk a little bit more about that, but I think that Musayev is just going to run through Darren Crookshank. And that's all I got to say about that. Question uh, for both of you. When Darren Crookshank comes out, how do you think the Japanese audience is going to react? Do you think that they're gonna they're gonna give him the, the heel reaction, or do you think it's just gonna be Warner Bridge? They're not gonna care. Dylan, him, uh, they they respect the name value more than anything uh, with, with this sort of thing. I think he's gonna get a, a normal reaction, not necessarily a heavy booze or anything like that. But 
I will say on Musayev, it's not just the record uh, that he's winning by. Like I said, if you watch his fights, he is basically dominant in everything I've seen of him. Um, and this is obviously a step up in competition. That's really the one thing because this, in a lot of ways, is a, a, a very classic. Is he a contender or a pretender kind of fight? So actually, what they said about Crookshank was kind of true that he's the gatekeeper uh, of Ryzen right now because if Musayev wins, that really puts him on the map. I feel like, and I think, he, like I said, I was very impressed with everything I've seen of him. But Crookshank, I think the uh, controversy you guys mentioned, I don't think that's really that big of a deal. Uh, to the crowd. Yeah, that's just my... Let's just say if the controversy happened like a few days before the actual show. Do you think that the, do you think there would be any yeah. reaction? I don't know. Like, I, I, I've, always, I've, never, I've never seen really Japanese audiences like really... They, they, they seem to separate what the person does, what they're hired to do, Versus yeah. what they do outside, unless it's something very, very egregious. Yeah, uh, if the, if he if he like committed like an actual crime or may, or something like that, I think that might be a different story. But him just being a dick, you know, uh, like uh, I I don't think the crowd is gonna turn on him for that. Like uh, when I, I was like, so Gabby Garcia when she missed weight for her fight uh, uh, against. Um, Oh my god, I'm forget, forgetting her name. Um, not Yumiko Hota. The, um... Kandori? Kandori, yeah, Shinobu Kandori. When yeah. she missed weight by, like, 25 pounds. When she came out, before her apology, she was getting booed ferociously. Right. But when she apologized, they just start, they started clapping. They started clapping. Like, nothing, like, it was all good. So, in that case, when somebody misses weight... That's part of the job, and you didn't do your job. So that's wh- that's why she got the reaction. I think that she did. But when she apologized, it became all good. I don't know if, if I'm guessing Darren apologized. He must have. I can't believe that he that he wouldn't or you know publicly. He I know he did it privately, but he he must have done it publicly as well. But I you know that's the thing is that like I think because it was outside the realm of the fighting. He didn't like that. Like it wasn't. It wasn't, had nothing to do with the with the fight itself. I don't think it would have mattered anyway. It's a, to be honest, I don't think so. Um, I, I just think too that like in Japanese culture, it's more like actions speak louder than words. Yes. Uh, like for for me, like um, you know, like I said, let's just say he, like I said, uh, he committed a crime. Let's say he got busted for drugs or something like that. Oh, oh yeah. of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be like a lot worse than just him talking bullshit uh, to uh, random people. Like that, I like I said, I really don't think that's a big deal to the fans at all. Uh, what he did, but I, if he had committed an action of some sort, much like you said with Gabby, uh, ultimately that was really her fault. You know, that wasn't like she said some bullshit. Uh, and when she was contrite and remorseful, that was an action too to the fans. So I think that's really, um, you know, they bought it as genuine. Yeah. So. Uh, That's really different. I also just want to say I'm not I'm not discrediting Tofa to, uh, Musayev's what I think of him as a fighter. I picked him to win his Ryzen debut. I thought like this guy looks dominant. This guy looks great. I just think that Darren Cruikshank I think is a better fighter overall, and he has fought people maybe that are better overall fighters than 
than Musayev. And he's also lost the people that were that were fighters that were that were, that were I guess I would say less skilled or I would perceive as less skilled than Musayev. I just think in this case that Musayev going from where he's gone to this is very much like almost going up ten steps uh, uh, from where he from where he where he's used to normally fighting. And I don't think that I don't think that Musa is gonna be put away so easily. I just think that I, I think that's gonna be for someone like him it's gonna be I will be very surprised if he dominates a fighter like uh, Crookshank. Um, to a Christian, I was I, I just asked Dylan um, regarding uh, the controversy if uh, if you think that um, he'll get if Crookshank will get any sort of uh, negative reaction from the audience. Do you think that he will? Well, to be quite honest with you, seeing seeing the fact that the Japanese are normally normally respectful. I think that the only thing that he'll probably get is a light smattering of jeers and boos. But they'll probably be respectful once he makes his way into the ring and just clap for him. Give him applause and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, what about those closer? Like, say if this happened like a few days before the show. Um, do you think that you think it would be the reaction could be more overwhelmingly negative? Most definitely, they boo his. They would boo his ass out of the building. If ah, it interesting. Before the fight, or if it was even a week before the fight, they would boo his ass out of the building. So, so Musayev kind of is going is almost going in as a baby face for you in this case. Yeah. Kushank is a heel. Yeah. As a um, Versus USA, Azerbaijan is, is the baby face. <laughs> yeah, <USA>. for once. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think this will actually be, uh, oh, also, you know, topology. Uh, you, you, you said that uh, Crookshank's at 55%, Musa is at 45%. Mm -hmm. That's actually, that's not that's not very disparate at all. That's, that's yeah. almost very close. Um, yeah. I thought it would be a bigger gap. I thought I was picking a big upset. <laughs> for uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I think this fight. I think this fight will be a lot closer. You know, I think it will be a finish. But if it goes to all three rounds, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if it goes all three rounds. Uh, considering just like how good both of them are, it'll just be interesting. You know, it'll be interesting to see just like how this fight goes, to, how the fight is finished. You know, um, you know, it's funny because Crookshank in his last fight against Damian Brown got finished because he decided to become a wrestler and got choked out. You know, what well, can the same thing happen with uh Musayev? He decide, he tries to uh he tries to play wrestler uh, in this match but then gets knocked out of a knee or something. You know, I think uh, this this fight leaves a lot of questions and you know regarding for it being a preview, I think it definitely is a preview for the upcoming um lightweight tournament, which you actually there are commercials for it you can find on YouTube, uh, and on Twitter. Somebody, yeah, they are already promoted on, uh, uh, in like 15 second or 30 second commercials for, um, for Fuji TV. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely happening. Obviously, I don't know when. Obviously, Damian Brown wants an opportunity to beat up Will Brooks. Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So he definitely wants that match. Um, as for, you know, 
I think that regardless of, of you know whether this is like a five goes to the um goes to the to tournament, I th- I, I can see them both being the tournaments. Honestly, I think they're they I think they're both. I think they got. I think Bryce has got both eyes on both these guys to uh, be on that tournament. Uh, that's gonna be one stack ass tournament if and when it happens. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I really, really it's gonna be so awesome. Uh, but uh, that's all I have to say about the the match. You know, should we go on to the next one, Christian? Uh, yes. Let's go ahead and go on to the next fight, and that next fight is Yusaku Nakamura versus Tanongsak Lek. Top Noi Tiger Muay Thai Chuwatana, who is going to be fighting at 6 and 2 as a Muay Thai practitioner, of course. Yusaku Nakamura, 15, 6 and 1 overall. 5 5, 124.6 pounds, age 32. Born June the 21st, 1986. Originally from Osaka, Japan, fighting out of Team Alpha Male Japan. He is a practitioner in Japanese Kempo Karate, Nippon Kempo. <clears throat> he is riding a rising overall record of 0-2. If you count the Tenshin Nasakawa loss in kickboxing at Ryzen 10 as a major loss. But still, his last rising bout was a loss via rear naked choke to a revitalized... Manel Cape. He has since bounced back on March 24th with a win over Rodney Mandala. Hot Rod, Mon- Hot Rod, Rodney Mandala. <coughs> a, uh, what am I trying to say? <sighs> Yusaku Nakamura last won a fight back on March 24th in a victory over Hot Rod, Rodney Mandala who is a wiry veteran from Hawaii. But still, Nakamura is a veteran, obviously, of Shudo. He is a former deep fly... He is obviously the current deep and WSOL Global Championship flyweight champion, even though WSOL Global Championship ain't a promotion anymore. He is also a veteran of Valley Total Japan, Tribe Tokyo Fight... And Dream. A one-fight veteran of Dream losing to Atsushi Yamamoto, who may or may not be related to Noifumi Kid Yamamoto. <laughs> yeah, oh god. His opponent, and wait a minute, is there somebody else calling? I don't think there is. Uh, my, oh. it's, it's not on my end. Dylan, is nope, that you? No, not my end. No, okay. nobody's, calling, nobody's calling me. Oh, okay, okay. Then we can go ahead and keep going. Tanong Sak Lek Top Noi Tiger Muay Thai Chuwatana. 6-2 overall. 5-7, 130 pounds. Age 26, born August 15, 1992. He fights out of Tiger Muay Thai in MMA under head coach and native of Hickory, North Carolina, George Hickory. I mean, native of the Carolinas in the U.S., George Hickman in Phuket, Thailand. Danong Saklek is a veteran of the Full Metal Dojo, Primal FC, and the Rising Fighting Federation, where in FMD alone, he went 3-1. and one. 
Each of those three wins by way of devastating first or second round knockout. Now, obviously, he lost his first MMA fight to York Kai Kyle Fairtex. And in addition to that, he's a veteran of Thailand FC. He's a veteran of Primal FC, defeating Jason Morgallo via decision. And he most recently lost to Kai Asakura back on September 30th at Ryzen 13 after defeating Onibozu, Ogre Kid, Tadaaki Yamamoto back at Ryzen 11, July 29th. So yeah, he's one and one in rise, and as is Yusaku. Well, actually, you got a fighter in Thanon Saklet Tapnoi Tiger Muay Thai, who was one and one in rise, and against Yusaku Nakamura, who is zero and two overall in rise. And the Tapology fan base has the Tapology fan base has an overwhelming eighty-one percent turnout for a Tapnoi victory. But I got to ask both of you guys, and Andrew, I think you probably got the fighter quotes of what they had to say prior to this fight. But who do you guys think is going to win this fight, and do you see this fight making it out of the first round? Well, I will. Uh, I'm going to read the quotes, and also I did talk to talk to uh, Topnoy for an interview that will be uploaded this week as well. Huh, can um, can he, first of all, did you have to use, an, I mean, did he have to use an interpreter, or can he speak English pretty well? Yes, uh, one of his coaches there um, uh, speaks Thai and English. Oh. Um, so funny because when we when we message each other uh, on Twitter, he's always speaking English. So I thought, oh, okay, he speaks English. And also, when I was at the Ryzen 11 presser, he was speaking some English enough, and he didn't need to translate. Well, he didn't need to translate for what I was saying after what was translated to him in Thai. He spoke it in English. Um, but when I was when I was like when I when I was like once said he spoke enough to get a free dinner. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He spoke enough to get a free dinner, uh, but not enough for an interview. So we did talk, um, yeah, and uh, we did talk. So I'll, I'll also say something that he said. But uh, this is what Nakamura said. He said that Ryzen has finally made its way to the Kansai region. Everything would be a joke without the most entertaining man in Kanzai not fighting the cards. So here I am. Traditional Kempo versus Moithai. This fight would have to end by a knockout. Of course, I would be the one standing at the end. My fights deliver 120%. Don't miss it. Topnoi says, I am excited to come back to Japan and put on another show for the Japanese fans against another tough opponent. I think the fans like my aggressive style and how I throw caution to the wind to entertain them. See you soon, Kobe. Uh, while I don't know if I would 100% say that Nakamura is the um, most entertaining man in the Kansai region, um, I think there's some other people from that region that might be more entertaining. I do admire his confidence. Um, when I did talk with, with Topnoy, he said he's worked a lot more on MMA um, with George Hickman and all those people at uh, Tiger Muay Thai and... Uh, uh, like you said, in uh, Phuket. Um, but he said he's a much smarter, again, basically implied that he's a much more well-rounded MMA fighter. Instead, he was kind of like a kickboxer who did a little bit of MMA. It sounds like more he's now, now more a MMA fighter who's also a kickboxer. Well, and yes, he had, 
if you think about it, the dude has Muay Thai in his name. He's probably got at least like 50 or 60 fights. Yes. Um, he does, you know, minus the one the one loss that he had against Kazakura. For the Rise 11 show, where he, which was his debut, he knocked out, um, oh my god, I forget who he knocked out. Uh, the, um, uh, Tadaki Yamamoto, Tadaki Yamamoto. Oni Bozu. Um, Oni yes, Oni Bozu, who you would think, oh, that guy is the MMA fighter, he's gonna beat the guy who is the, who is the Muay Thai guy. Nope, that didn't happen. Oni Bozu got knocked the fuck out mm-hmm. in one round mm-hmm. in close to the minute. Uh, though, um, Kaizakura decided, and you know this fight, they were supposed to fight at Rise of Eleven, but then Oni Bozu had, they, they, um, came in last minute. Kaizakura decided, I'm gonna wrestle against this guy, and that's how he won. He didn't stand and bang like, like Kaizakura wanted to. And he did tell me that, that, that he did not like how that fight went, went at all. And he would have a rematch with Kaizakura. Uh, so, you know, presuming that Yusuko Nakamura... Doesn't go there to wrestle. I actually, even if he goes there to wrestle, I think that Top Noy is going to be very well prepared for his fight. Nakamura has does not have a good record recently, um, especially in Ryzen, being that he's not won a fight in Ryzen at all. I think that Top Noy is going to knock him out. I think that Top Noy is. Uh, um, I'm all, actually only also just give a little bit of background on their finishing rates. 83% for Top Noy, 50 for Nakamura. Wow. And. Yeah, I you know it's gonna it, it might be a uh it might be the karate versus Muay Thai fight, but I think at the the Muay Thai striker will knock out the Kempo striker in this case. I think that Top Noy takes this very easily. I can see this end in the first round, within the first. I think I think this I think this can go like can be ended in two minutes by Top Noy. He told me uh that that everybody should watch out for his left hand, and I think that's what Nakamura. I think that's what Nakamura is going to come face to face with, and you're going to get knocked out. Uh, what do you say, Dylan? Any picks for this fight? Yeah, I think Top Noy gets the win here uh, for all the reasons that you said. You broke it down really well, and I want to promote more synergy right now with the interview you had. I'm going to give him some good luck here and pick Top Noy for the winner. And I also do think it will be a win, unfortunately, over the most entertaining man in the Kansai region. Hey, uh, I think that Top Noy is most likely going to knock out the most entertaining man yeah. in Kansai because with an ego, I mean, obviously Japanese fighters, you know damn well they don't have egos unless, you know, they really want to be completely douchey. But still, you would have to think that with somebody calling themselves the most entertaining man in a certain prefecture or a certain region in Japan, chances are they're going to get knocked the fuck out. And I think that's exactly what Top Noy is going to do to Yusaku Nakamura, giving him a, giving him a third loss in the Rising Ring. And also, considering that one of his most recent losses were finishes, they were knockouts. Two of them were knockouts. I know one was a kickboxing match, not an MMA match. You know, go figure, whatever. But also, you know, one was also a finish by Manel Cape, and Manel Cape was lighting up Nakamura during that match. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, Nakamura, you know, uh, you know, Ryzen just may not be his, uh, 
Verizon will just not be where he has the most luck. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be a, this will be another knockout to uh, Kanzai's most entertaining man, as he uh, as he said. This, but this should be an exciting fight, nonetheless. Uh, top of the league, does, he does try, he does try to put on exciting fights, and he does he he it's, it is true when he says that he puts on exciting fights for Japanese fans. It's not at all lip service. He truly does that. Uh, but can he truly be the most entertaining man in Thailand, though? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can he? Well, if he wins his fight, you know what? I, he can only say that he beat the most entertaining man in Kansai, and then, you know what? I, then he can, uh, I guess he could uh, call himself the lineal most, most entertaining man in uh, Thailand if he wants to. <laughs> and what, what better title could you win than that, the, the lineal championship of that? Exactly, exactly. And especially with a coach like 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 George Hickman, how the fuck you 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 cannot be to be to be a student of George Hickman. You are bestowed already with at least some entertainment value, in my personal opinion. I don't know if you agree, with Christian, but I think that George Hickman is one of the best coaches, also in one of uh, in in all of MMA and kickboxing. Well, aside from the fact that the man is from the Carolinas, I haven't heard really much about George Hickman since his fighting days have been finished, but he does know how to train fighters the right way, and props to him for that, because you know, he's trained some of the top fighters in the world to be beast, so to speak. I mean, that's not to disparage the folks at AKA Thailand, who basically made Amir Ali Akbari into a monster, but I do think... And Manel Cape! Cape. Don't forget that. Exactly, and Manel Cape too. But, the point of the matter is, I think that the people at Tiger Muay Thai, they're doing pretty damn well with turning the Nongsak Lek Top Noi Tiger Muay Thai into a credible name in the world of MMA. And speaking of kickboxing, uh, I think we're going to go on to the next uh, few fights, which will be just, uh, Christian, when you're ready, uh, feel free to take over. Ah, uh, yes. Now we're going back to the world of kickboxing for three straight fights according to the Tapology fight ratings. First of all, in a 139-pound bout, Hiroto Mochi will take on... Yeah. Hiroto Mochi. Huh? Christian, can you repeat that? You're breaking up. Uh, I don't know. I was hearing what... The hell was going on on Dylan's end? But yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry. Okay. Oh, just... Okay. Back to the fight listings. Hiroto Yamaguchi will be taking on Taiju Shiratoi in a 139-pound bout. First of all, the particulars for Hiroto. He is five feet seven inches tall, weighing 130 pounds. He is 27 years of age, born May 20th, 1992, representing the Yamaguchi Dojo and fighting out of Sakai, Osaka, Japan. His opponent, Taiju Shiratori, who is also a professional boxer as well, 6 feet tall, 130 pounds, age 23, born February the 2nd, 1996, Representing Tenshin Nasukawa's team Tepping Camp 
and fighting out of Hachiochi, Tokyo, Japan. He is a veteran of Ryzen, of course, knocking out Yoshi, no, knocking out Uza Strong at the latest, no, at the Heisei Last Sharonoka show back on December 30th, the evening of December 30th here in the States. Meanwhile, for Hiroto Yamaguchi, obviously, he hasn't really been getting that much love in knockouts, and especially in shoot boxing. I think you would probably explain to me more about that, Andrew. Mm-hmm. But, yep. Shiratori has not fought in a rising bout since losing to former Lion Fight super lightweight world champ Tetsuya Yamato back on that ill-fated Ryzen 1 card in April 2016 that was not really shown here in the States. I mean, the only way we had to watch that card was to dread the dreaded, I mean, was to go through the dreaded Chinese commentary. Sorry, Chris. Jerry lost you. Ugh. Again, what I was trying to say was, Hiroto Yamaguchi is 0-1 in the Ryzen ring, whereas... Shiratori is 1-0 and o in Ryzen. How do you see yeah. these two styles mesh? Well, uh, I have some background, a little bit more background on both these guys. Um, Go ahead. This is what Ryzen says on, um, on their Instagram. Hard-hitting Hiroto Yamaguchi will see if he can lay hand, his hands on the handsome Taiju Shiratori. Shiratori has a significant reach advantage. As you said, he's 6 feet tall along with a solid boxing background. Yamaguchi is going to have to find a way to get in close to do what he does best. And here are some quotes uh, from Taiju Shiratori. I'm very excited about making my return to the Ryzen ring. I'm still in the process with the Rise World Grand Prix, which will be going on in July in uh, Osaka, if I'm correct, and uh, Taiju Shiratori advancing that tournament. Uh, but I would like to use this opportunity to spread my name in the Kansai region. Uh, uh, my opponent is also a fun guy, so expect fireworks. Now, here's what Hiroto Yamaguchi has to say. I'm ecstatic to be fighting in Ryzen on my own turf and all exclamation points, he wrote. And my opponent is pretty boy Shiratori, so that's the icing on the cake. I'm currently on a losing streak, but I think if I beat Shiratori, this, that will make up all of my losses. He's tall, he's good-looking. He's a southpaw. He's got everything I despise, so it's a perfect match for me. I promise a great fight. And so, uh, the, uh, let's see. You gave you you gave uh, some, some uh, on the win, wins or losses, uh, ages. Let's see. Uh, oh yeah. I couldn't find anything about their wins and losses. Can you explain? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. So uh, Yamaguchi, 23 wins, 16 KOs, seven decisions. 15 losses. Finished rate, 70%. Shiratori, 14 wins, five, 7 KOs, 7 decisions, 5 losses, 1 draw, 50% finishing rate. And that's, uh, not, to, and that's not to also discount the fact that he's a 5-3 and three boxer as well. Oh yes, that too, that too as well. Uh, Hiroto Yamaguchi, Though does not have is coming off uh, a losing streak, um, and uh, Shiratori coming off a win, uh, both in Ryzen and in Rise. Wow. So uh, actually, 
it's funny that, uh, and also funny enough, Yamaguchi, like you said, fought in the first Ryzen show. I, I was trying to well, find a video of it. Well, he fought in the third Ryzen show, but the oh, first yeah. Oh, yeah, they did coming out oh, of those two big events in 2015. I forgot. Yeah, they did a stupid thing where they started actually I forgot. Okay. So, yeah. But he lost that fight against, uh, as you said, Tetsuya Yamoto. Um, it's an interesting fight uh, from a kickboxing perspective. I'm only assuming, I'm assuming that this fight made because they want almost like as a as a as a fight for Shiratori to win, either as a confidence booster for his rise fight up, or as something you know you know as like you know a little a little a practice thing, but like something can prepared for his um upcoming uh fight in the rise tournament. Um, I think you know I feel bad for any fighters on Aussie streak. You know, it's always, it's always good to see them come back. I think, though, I'm going to unfortunately have to pick the taller, good-looking, more handsomer Taiji Shiratori to win this. Based on the fact that he's on a, on a streak, a reach advantage, and, and I think is just probably maybe the overall better kickboxer in this. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting styles clash here with the boxing background of Shiratori and Yamaguchi. Uh, I had watched a, a great fight of his online with Hideki Sasaki from last year. Uh, a great slugfest match. Uh, he got a couple of knockdowns in that fight, but obviously lost, as we mentioned with the Luka streak. And his fighting style was characterized with a lot of unorthodox techniques. Uh, he, you know, such as a spinning back fist and spinning moves that he used as, as well in the fight. So, but to me, I could see this being a very sleeper match on the card in terms of excitement, uh, to, in terms of being a viewer, obviously, not fun in this match. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think that Yamaguchi here, uh, I tend to favor uh, kickboxers over straight boxers, but I do agree that Shiratori uh, has a lot of uh, physical acumen over... Yamaguchi in this match, but still, I was very impressed with Yamaguchi in that fight versus Hideki uh, last year. I, I think I might have to go with an upset here again with and go with Yamaguchi to end the losing streak, shocking the world on Shiratori. Also, I just want to uh, put a little bit more information out there. Uh, as Christian did say, Teppen Jin. That's where Tension trains, by the way. That's also important to note. You know, that's that is maybe the top pure kickboxing gym right now yes. in Japan, uh, located in Chiba. Um, as well, where Best of Super Juniors just had their most recent show. Um, but also, I want to add that Yamaguchi, all on topology, at least, a lot of his losses have been knockouts due to knock, uh, have been have been knockouts or knockdowns, and well, most of them before the third count. Yeah. What that tells me, though, is that, like you said, it's an unorthodox. So this guy, it so almost tells me that this guy has almost style over substance, and that's a very dangerous combination when you're going up against somebody who is like Taiju Shiratori, who is a, a taller fighter, longer fighter, and who I think in this case might be the better pure kickboxer. These other fights that uh, Amaguchi had were Muay Thai bouts. And shoot boxing matches. 
It sounds like Shiratori is the better kickboxer. That's also why I pick him. But um, so I like Christian. Uh, who, what do you think about this match? I think that Shiratori is gonna win. Mostly because, like Tenshin Nasukawa, if he were fighting on this card, he's gonna have a lot to show for it going into his upcoming Rise World Series bout. So, even though this fight's supposed to be like a tune-up, if you guys think that way, it's going to be a tune-up fight, I think that Shiratori, he's probably going to end up winning this fight and then preparing for his upcoming rise bout with ease. Yeah, I do think it is a tune-up fight. Um, I do question why I have a fight, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but why have a fight that's, you know, I kind of think that why, why not just have, like, shouldn't you just be preparing for your big tournament match that yeah, you're having? You, don't you know, you, it, it, you don't want to have ring rust going into that damn fight. I get it, I get it, but you know what? You know, say, you know, he gets kicked in the leg and his leg breaks or something, or, you know, you get an Anderson Silva to uh, deal. You know, something like that. You know, then you just especially especially against a fighter like Yamaguchi, who, like I said, his style is more or less that he's going to go uh, lay it all on the line for a knockout. Uh, he's he's not like a very technique heavy fighter. Uh, he's somebody that will try and throw bombs and get a knockout. And uh, I can easily see this getting a uh, you know I can easily see him scoring a knockout in this fight or something that could have in this fight. So, uh, this wasn't a very good opponent if this was just a tune-up fight in my opinion, uh, because he's not a safe fighter. He's somebody that's going to uh, go for knockouts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just me. Like, why would you want to risk, you know, why, why would the fighter and the organization, and here's the thing, Ryzen and, and, and uh, Ryzen do have a, a, they do have working, uh, a, a, a like working fighter agreements where they do trade fighters mm -hmm. uh, with each other, mostly because it's tension, uh, really, because he's a, a, originally a rise guy. Why would you want to risk that at all and just you know potential injury? It's so close, and you know I know it's June that when this fight, you know, it's the beginning of June, the rise tournament's middle of July, but it's still it's still like almost on the part. I don't know. That's just me. Like, why would you want to do that? It just it just seems. It just seems most counterproductive, especially, you know, when you got a tournament to face off in and all that. That's just me. That's just me. Um, but, but we all, we all, so far, only two fights where we're all in agreement who's going to win. And uh, we all picked, uh, we all picked Shiratori um, with this. Um, it's, it's a unanimous decision. Yeah, I think this is a sleeper fight, though. Yamaguchi's a dangerous opponent. Like I said, if you, if you watch that uh, uh, Hideki match, like I said, last year, I think he's got a lot of ability to score knockdowns in this fight. Uh, so Shiratori needs to watch out in this fight. I don't think it's as easy as uh, some people might think uh, on, ta on uh, tapology and whatnot. And, you know, we recently just saw a fight, you know, uh, I think that was supposed to be a fight for Taiga. At the last at Ryzen's uh, first show this year, uh, Taiga versus T, uh, T Gomez, uh, uh, Tadison Gomez, Fejia. Uh, yeah, and which I thought was supposed to be a two up fight for Taiga, and then Taiga, Taiga lost that pretty uh, pretty resoundingly. So 
You know, be careful what you wish for, you know. Rise and Yeah, exactly. Uh, but wanna go into the next fight kickboxing fight, Christian? Uh yeah. And this is the third and final kick well actually no. This is the second kickboxing bout out of three straights that's gonna be talked about. And this fight's a one hundred thirty two pound catch weight bout between Ito Nakatake and Khan Nakamula. First of all, the small, I mean the, uh, what am I trying to say, the so-called particulars for Ito Nakatake. He is 5 foot 6, weighing in at 130, he is 5 foot 6, weighing in at 132 pounds, fighting out of, well, trying to get the damn translation now. Uh. See, this is what happens. In the meantime, I'll try, I'll... This is what happens when you don't really go in with a full <laughs> research. <laughs> I mean, because his affiliation is all in Japanese, and I'm trying to find where this guy fights out of, and it's basically just. I mean, it is basically just, uh, I don't even want to speak that, but still, point of the matter is, this is what happens when you go into it without the proper research, without the proper tools of the trade, so to speak. I could just simply go to his opponent now. <laughs> his opponent, Khan Nakamura, born Halloween 1996, fighting out of Osaka, Japan. <laughs> But still, this shit is crazy, and I'm trying. I'm still trying to figure out where the Ito Nakatake fight out of, and it's not even telling me that. Hold on a second. Well, here's well, I'll help with you. I'll help with you, Christian. Um, so Ito. Um, let's see. Uh, I have his age. First of all, we at least had that. Thirty-five. 1984, March 3rd, March March 17th. Excuse me. He's fought for uh, Hoots Cup. And rise, um, uh, twenty wins, eight KOs, twelve decisions, twelve losses, mm -hmm. three draws. So twenty, and, twelve, three. And, and this is Nakatake you're talking about, right? Uh, Ito, Ito. Yeah, Ito Nakatake. He fights out of Nissan yes. Hall Camp in Kanogawa, Hyogo, Japan. So that's in Kobe. That's that's right in Kobe. Interesting. Yeah, right near so, he's a so basically, he's uh, fighting for his prefecture, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, and actually, here's the funny thing as well. He goes by, he, go, he fights under just his first name, Ito. He doesn't go by his last name. Mm -hmm. So he just, so he's from just the like Kengo lot, camp. I mean, just like a lot of these Japanese fighters, a lot of them fight by just their first names only. Actually, that's a good question. Uh, Christian or Dylan, do either of you have an answer why a lot of fighters go by just their first name? It just looks cool. Like, similar to how, uh, or they think it does anyway, similar to how do you know how a lot of people in Japan, whether it be wrestling or in MMA a little bit, how they might say, they might have it go in all caps letters in yes. English instead of the Japanese names. It's just because of how it looks more than anything. They're kind of like in America, maybe if somebody had like Japanese writing on their shirt, but we don't really know what it means. 
that's kind of the same deal in Japan. It just looks. Well, my understanding is that a lot of pro wrestlers use their last name first, or will use their last name at, uh, as opposed to fighters. Because I know Kushida, his, I believe his last name is Kushida, Bushi, uh, Tetsuya Bushi. Yep. Um, Taichi, though, doesn't go by just, he doesn't just go by like, he doesn't, he doesn't just have like Taichi, like in all caps, though. He's, no. he's actually, I think his name is in Katakana, if I'm correct. Not yeah. even a Kanji. shoot last name is Ishikani. Oh yes, Ichaji Ishikari. So yeah, that's you know it's just funny how the just the different ways that they put their names out there. Um, but uh, for Ito, yeah, so um, he's fought for Hoost Cup and Rise. Uh, gave his uh win and loss uh record, forty two percent finishing rates as well. Wow. Now, Kan Nakamura. Mm -hmm. Uh, as you said, born is uh, on Halloween, so he's sold one hundred sixty centimeters. Uh, he's fought for deep kick at 60 kilograms, um, seven wins, zero losses, seven KOs, so 100% finishing rate. Um, exactly. I do want to say, though, that, you know, kickboxing records are all over the place. They are not as, they're not as, it's not as MMA. In most fighters, right? Yes, exactly. You know, when, you know, it, it it's a very it's MMA is a lot more accurate, a lot easier to find definitive records of people. For kickboxing, it's in so many different countries. There's so many different rule sets. You get ISKA, you got rules in Muay Thai, you got rise knockout, you got you got stuff that happens here in America. You got Glory, who has their rules. There's so many rules. Kickboxing, we just learned this past week. So, like, there's like one site could say some guy had 30 kickboxing matches, another, another, he had seven. So, just keep that in mind. So, give some more information as well. Highly touted Khan Nakamura. So, it sounds like he's a little bit maybe, you know, maybe someone new to kickboxing, maybe a rookie, or you know, just like you just like his name. Will be making his Ryan debut against veteran Ito. Khan brings an undefeated 7-0 record with a 100% KO rate, while Ito brings over 30 professional fights. Nakamura has the power and agility, while Ito has the experience and technique. And I got some quotes from both of them. Ito, I'm not happy that I'm fighting a fellow Kanzai fighter. I asked for a Tokyo guy, but it's okay. I'll use this opportunity uh, to show that I am the best fighter and can put on a fun show. Khan Nakamura. I don't know who my opponent is. I just hope that he's standing for at least three minutes. So, a little bit of shit talking about Nakamura. Um, so, as to pick who a winner is, you know, I do... <laughs> I have to say, I'm I'm dying at at, at Nakamura's uh, shit talking well, uh, that I find. I'm gonna probably make it a lot easier for y'all. I'm gonna just go ahead and say that Nakamura is gonna win because let's face it, the dude's undefeated going into this fight. He's facing a veteran in Ito Nakatake, who obviously has had a few blemishes. 
on his record, and those are more notable than his wins. But I think that, I mean, I really do think that Nakatake is going to get knocked out in this match. I don't know if it's going to be in the first minute. It could be in the second round. But I do think that Nakatake is going to get knocked out by Khan Nakamura. Exactly, exactly. Also, just to let you know as well, I, I, I wanted uh, a little bit more information on Khan Nakamura. He is the deep kick 60 kilogram champion. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Which means he's well comfortable. I mean, he's very well comfortable at fighting at 132 pounds. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, uh, but also, we got Ito, who is, who is the... Uh, Who's had, who's had a championship in Who's Cup and in Rise? Uh, at least what the I'm trying to get from the uh, Japanese lettering, it seems like, uh, or at least has fought for or, or has fought for those titles. But um, I know you give you brought a, a good point, Nakamura. Not only is he a champion, but he's undefeated and finished everybody, hmm. and also a younger guy as well. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to have to go with Kyle Nakamura on this, based on what I see on the surface. I think that's, that's what that's what most of I'm looking between these two guys. What do you think, Dylan? Any thoughts? Listen, after that promo, Nakamura cut, it has to be him. Uh, you know, he, uh, he, he, he doesn't know who he's going against, but I do think he'll stand up for at least three minutes. And then Nakamura will put it back down to end this fight. Mm-hmm. Question. Why do you think Ito won a Tokyo fighter, not a, a fellow fighter from the Kansai region? Well, like I said, well, in certain places in Japan, like Kansai, it would be kind of like how in America, let's say somebody from the South, yeah. right? Uh, where I'm from. Let's say I was a fighter. I might say something like, Man, I don't want to fight another guy from Tennessee. I want to fight a motherfucker from New York, you know, or something like that. That's kind of how, like, Tokyo is in Japan. Like, you know, some of them are, and even the way they speak the dialects in different places in Japan, Tokyo is very proper and, uh, you know, kind of high class, quote unquote. And some other ones, like in Kansai, are more kind of like a southern accent would be in America. Mm-hmm. The feud they have going on there. Yeah. So, I think we're all unanimous, and we picked Nakamura. Khan, I don't know who this guy is, Nakamura, to beat Ito. That's That's who we're all picking in this case. Now, we got one more kickboxing match before we go on to the MMA matches. Uh, You want to take over, Christian? Yes, I do. And that final kickboxing match that's worth talking about, the fifth of these five kickboxing bouts on this card is a bout between ISKA veteran Kunitaka Fujiwara versus K-1 veteran Kizaimon Saiga. First of all, the particulars for Kunitaka Fujiwara. He is 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighing in obviously at 132 pounds, now, weighing in, obviously, at 130 pounds. Born May 30th, 1988, so that means he will be 39 by the time this fight happens. 
and he fights out of Okayama, Japan. Now, a little bit of the particulars on him. He is a former, or I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he is a veteran of Max Muay Thai. He fought a few times in that promotion. He fought at M1 Grand Muay Thai Championships. He's a former boxer, if I'm not mistaken, and... I mean, let's see, I'm trying to do research on the fly here. Just bear with me on this one. And, he oh. a, I mean, I know you're trying to say something, Andrew, but I'm just saying, he is also, Kunitaka Fujiwara is an ISKA world champion, a former ISKA world champion. Now, as for the particulars on Kizaimon Saiga, he is 3-4 in mixed martial arts. Who knows what his record is in kickboxing. You have that, right, Andrew? <laughs> I got up. Okay. Uh, then let me go ahead and get the particulars out of the way first. He's 5 yeah. foot 6 inches tall, 138 pounds. He is all up 30 years old. Born February the 13th, 1989. Originally from Sakai, Osaka, Japan. Fighting as a karateka. Out of Reversal Jim Shinjuku Mewe in Kita City, Tokyo, Japan. His last Ryzen fight was back on December 29th of 2017 in a loss, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on one second. This goddamn computer. Uh, but still, Kizai Monster. I think it was a loss. I, I remember correctly. Wasn't it um, again, Kai Zakura? I think it was like I think it was the last minute fight that he took against Kai Asakura, right? Yeah, it was the last minute fight that he took against Kai Asakura, but it also preceded an exhibition loss that he had with. Um, yeah, his last mixed martial arts bout was back on December 29th, twenty seventeen, in a TKO loss to Kai Asakura, and his current rising record is one and five. He took yes. four, yeah, he took four, no, shit, actually, yeah, it's one in five. He took five MMA bouts so far in the promotion, obviously, his only win was a easy knockout win over Dylan West from South uh -huh. Africa, and obviously he lost to Tenshin Nasukawa in a mixed rules bout. He most recently bounced back at Pancrase Rebels Ring 1. On the fight pass, February 17th, in a win over Hirotatsu Asukawa. And also, of course, he is a two-fight veteran of Pancrase. And he is a veteran of K1. Now, you have the records for both of these men. Why don't you explain a little bit more, Andrew? Yeah. Uh, so, we'll start with Kuitaka. Um, uh, he, uh, he has the uh, 51... Wins, 35 KOs, 15 decisions, uh, 34 losses, 3 draws. That is a kickboxing record if I've ever seen one. Wow. And Kikimon Saga, Saga, 15 wins, 3 KOs, 12 decisions, 6 losses, 1 draw. Kunitaka, 69% finishing rate. Saiga, 20% finishing rate. 
And um, here's some a little bit of background that Ryzen says about the fight. Muay Thai journeyman Kunitaka will be fighting under Ryzen kickboxing rules for the first time. We will see how he adjusts to the no elbows and one clinch, one attack rule. Kizimon is very unpredictable and shows off flashy kicks along with heavy hands. Muay Thai versus Karate. And I got some quotes from the two gentlemen. Okay. Kunitaka. This will be my first fight without elbows. So think about this. This guy's saying that he's had, he's, how, how many fights did I say again? He had, he had, he's had 51 wins, 34 losses, 3 draws. 3 draws. Damn. So, he's got that is 85 80, fights, dude. 85 fights. No, wait, actually, 85 plus 3, that's 88 88 fights. 88 fights. 88 fights. He's 51, 34, and 3. Exactly. So, he's saying that this is his first fight without draw, without elbows allowed. That's interesting. Uh, this will be my first fight without elbows, but I'm looking to expand my horizons. I'm looking forward to be to fighting in Ryzen. I look to put on a great show. Saiga was a little bit more in his uh, words. He said, it's good to be back. I'm ready to steal the show. So, uh, quite a little bit confident in his, uh, in his, uh, words. Uh, but short and terse, I guess you could say. Um, and, uh, yes, uh, Probably everybody remembers Saiga's uh, mixed rules match against uh, against the uh, exactly, which didn't even go beyond to the uh, MMA rules because it went it got finished in the first round. Um, Kunitaka is also the oldest male fighter on this card, being that he is at thirty nine years old as well. well so he is gonna be thirty nine soon. Oh yes, yeah, soon. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's going to be the 39 on, on May 30th, so uh, happy early birthday, Tanjobe Omidetto, to uh, Mr. Fujiwara. But, um, so we got, this is truly a veteran versus a young, I want to say young up and cover, but a young, somewhat as established kickboxing fighter who's fighting under new rules, or I shouldn't say new rules, but rules that he is not usually fought under. But who has knocked out 35 of the thir of the 51 people that he has fought? So that is very interesting. Versus the guy who has knocked out three people out of the 15 people. Uh, 15. As for who wins this fight, you know, is this another case of age before age before uh, beauty? I think this will be Kuritaka's to take. I've watched a bunch of his fights. He is a very aggressive, very dangerous striker. He can get caught though if he's not if he's not careful, as they did say, flashy kicks uh, for Saiga. But I think Kunitaka takes this uh, in this matchup. Um, what do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I've seen a lot of these guys as well. Uh, Kunitaka, I recently watched one, uh, one of his last fights in last December uh, when he had the ISK 57 kilo title. Yeah. And he defended it in Spain against Carlos Coelho Canales. And Canales really blitzed him in that fight, uh, took care of business very easily. And I expect Saiga to win this, not only for those reasons, but also uh, I have to shout out Saiga's wife, Yu Ibiru, who is an oh. actress and voice yeah. actress in Japan. So, uh, I'm going with Saiga uh, based on that alone. I have to, I have to side with Saiga. Forget the age. I'm sorry, brother, but I have to go with Saiga. Yeah. 
Christian? So I guess that leaves me. When it comes down to... I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Saiga knows that he's probably not going to win this fight. No matter how much his wife screams. I'm, I'm going gonna... with the wife. You can't convince me otherwise. I understand <laughs> that. I understand that. But the point of the matter is... His rising record, Kizaimon Saiga's rising record is 1-5. and five. I mean, even though, yeah, the mixed rules fight doesn't count. We know that. But he's 1-5 yeah. and five in the rising ring. I mean, the dude hasn't fought in the promotion since December 29th of 2017. All, over a year and... No, it actually over 18 months ago in this case. Well, actually nearly 18 months ago. But still, point of the matter is the fact that Kizaimon Saiga, I don't know. I know that he's 30. I know that his wife is probably hotter than he is. <laughs> but still, yeah. I just don't think that Kizaimon Saiga is actually going to win this fight. I'm sorry to say it to y'all. Uh, what is, what, so you said she's an actress or voice actress? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, what, do you know what she's been in? Um, and yeah, she, like... was in this, uh, she was in this horror movie called Cult, uh, which I got big a few years ago. Uh, she's not like a super big actress or anything, but she's done a, like, uh, she's like a fan favorite B-movie level actress. And I, th I think she... Uh, did a show called Kaleido Star, which was a, a cartoon that she voiced in. Uh, so she's done a little bit here and there. She's not like a super big actress, but she is hot though. Do you think uh, think we'll see her? She will be present at the show, and she will yeah. be taking on the form of Eddie Alvarez's wife, screaming <laughs> incessantly at, at yeah. every fucking second. The fight is on. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, exactly. I just think it'll be annoying because we won't even get a chance to hear the fight properly, but still, at least she'll yeah. be there. Also, I just want to point out it's interesting as well. Queen Taka was an ISK champion, and that they were and they were going to bring in, as we explained, Ahmed Faraji to uh, fight Tetsunosuke for his ISKA title. So, seems like that there there was going to be an IS, uh, ISKA. Uh, theme on this card overall mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's what i mentioned that's another thing he really was unimpressive in the fight where he lost the title uh he got really uh, creamed pretty bad so uh, i wasn't very impressed with that one but he's done some better stuff in the past i don't know if age maybe caught up with him as well but uh we'll see how it goes there's a lot of different factors here. yeah i like you know we have, we have uh, uh boxing matches this might be the most uh, the women's six of the, the, the Nascar fight happens, or will happen, who knows. But, you know, they're putting a lot of kickboxing matches on for a show that I, I didn't think, you know, for a show that, you know, I guess you could say, like, th this show is kind of like, it's an in-between show. Like, I don't know, like, it, it, for, I guess, in, in pure wrestle terms, this this would be like a new beginning show or a destruction show, I feel like. And it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of funny that you would, would want to do kickboxing matches for, I think for that type of show. That's just me, though. Um, 
What do you think about the amount of kickboxing matches that they're having on this show, Dylan? Does that at all, as someone who's just getting to JMMA uh, and just uh, Kagatogi in general, does it does the amount of kickboxing matches bother you at all, or is it not not at all relevant to you? Me personally, it doesn't bother me. Uh, to be honest with you, either way's fine. Like, I knew coming in what Ryzen is all about, that there would be kickboxing and MMA matches. And like I said, I don't really have that affinity for MMA itself. I like so I trained in Wushu and stuff that you would see on Power Rangers. <laughs> Not necessarily MMA. So, if, if they had... That would be more biased towards it. But in terms of MMA, kickboxing, they're both kind of uh, similar. They have a lot of love for both of them. But I know a lot of people... Uh, online talking about this card uh, weren't a big fan that I saw. They didn't like it that there were so many kickboxing matches. I saw negative comments on that a lot. What do you uh, think, Christian? Christian, what do you think yourself? What, do you think the, do you think that they maybe have too many kickboxing matches on the show? That maybe should have had more MMA matches? I think that when it do came any- down to the original booking, the original announcement of the card before the tension on Sakawa bout got pulled, I think that it was the perfect balance of, you know, we're going to get exciting MMA fights and then we're going to have kickboxing to tone everything down, keep everything in pace. Yeah. Uh, well, exciting is the uh, is the key word. Because unfortunately, after the last card, they definitely knew they need to pick up, hopefully, the matches, you know, that they have here, be, put that, a big exclamation point on exciting, um, especially the kickboxing matches, because I like Dylan said, you know, I know for a fact that kickboxing matches can be very divisive for a lot of people. You have people who love them, and you have people who just hate them, because uh, they're just people who just who just don't like style. They don't understand the rules. There's many reasons, but I'm hoping that you know, hopefully these kickboxing matches aren't clinch fests. You know, hopefully. That's what I'm hoping. I hope that all six, five of these kickboxing matches enjoy kickboxing matches mm-hmm. and not have a negative, a negative uh, feeling towards them. I really think that Yamaguchi and Shiratori fight is a sleeper match on this card for excitement. Yeah. Uh, based on what I've seen. I think that's something you can look forward to. Uh, and of course, we've got our man Kango in that could. Deal the show in his match. So. I'm a fucking Kengo. God damn it. That's right. <laughs> but enough about kickboxing. We're going to go into the the actual, I guess you could say the main events of the card. Of, of the card. Uh, uh, yes. Christian? The literal, take meat, the literal meat and potatoes portion of the fight card. And speaking of meat, the next fight, this next fight is going to have a lot of meat in it oh, as well. Hell yeah. It's the deep megaton champion Rocky Martinez versus the honey bear Jake Hune. First of all, the particulars for the former University of Hawaii football player from Palmer, Alaska, by way of Anchorage, Jake Hune. He's 12 and 9 overall, 6 foot 2, 214 and a half pounds with a 76 inch reach, age 31. Born August the 24th, 1987. Fighting out of American Top Team all the way down in Coconut Creek, Florida. He is a veteran of Season 19 of The Ultimate Fighter, the ill-fated GWC1 event. He was a two-fight ve- 
He fought on all three pro elite cards that they've had, going one and two in the promotion, defeating Ed Carpenter via knockout, losing via consecutive rear naked chokes to Mark Ellis and LFA heavyweight champion Richard the Black Eagle Odoms. He is a veteran of Dakota FC. He is a five-fight veteran of the World Series of Fighting, going three and two in the promotion. He is a one-fight veteran of his native Alaska FC. No, wait, actually, he's a six-fight veteran of the WSOF because he also lost to Prince Melino Rama on that New Year's Eve 2016 show they've had. But still, he's a one-fight veteran of Road FC, I mean, defeating Mubei Choi via unanimous decision. He lost in the PFL to Alex the Spartan Nicholson, of which he got revoked from fighting for that promotion because of the damn New York State Athletic Commission. <laughs> and actually, he's a two-fight veteran of Alaska FC, winning both of his fights via devastating finish, a Kamua submission over Al Tavao, and more recently, back on January 16th, a knockout finish over Mike Favale, but he's currently one. I mean, he's currently 0-1 in Ryzen, losing to the light heavyweight champion Yuri Denisha Prohaska via devastating knockout. And more recently, he lost on some disputed Russian blood money show to Anatoly Malikin. I mean, to Anatoly Malikin back on March the 4th. He was scheduled to face off against Attila Vague at Octagon 12, but obviously, due to this bout, he had to pull out. And his opponent, the current Deep Megaton Champion, originally from originally from Guam, fighting out of Federal Way, Washington, well, living out of Federal Way, Washington, USA, Rocky Martinez, 5'10", 255.2 pounds, age 33, Born March the 4th, 1986, representing Spike 22. He is the former top FC heavyweight champ, the former Pacific Extreme Combat heavyweight champion, and obviously the current deep megaton champion, who currently has a combined deep fighting championship record of... Two and two. <laughs> I mean, he most recently retained his title over Rio Sakai after losing to Miracle Kokoff in his last finish victory. And he's currently 4-1 in his last five with wins over J.D. Part Singh, Jerome Gerardo Lebana, and Samurai Mark Hunt, Kiyoshi Kurabara. Which means he's 2-1 in the Rising Ring overall, so... Who do you think is going to win in this battle of beef? But first of all, I got my fighter quotes for both of these guys. Rocky Martinez said, I just want to fight. I train daily, and I wait for that rising call. Honestly, I don't care about my opponent. I just need to get back in the ring and put on a show. For Jay Kuhn, he called Rocky Martinez a tough son of a bitch, and he's excited to fight a guy like this in rising. So... I just gotta ask, it's basically 500 pounds of beef in that ring, or close to it anyways, who do you guys think will have the upper hand? <clears throat>
Uh, also, just wanted to give some background as well uh, on their finishing rate percentage. 69% for Rocky, uh, Jake Hune, 66. So they're very close to how often they finish their fights. They got very, uh, almost similar amount of fights between the two, almost. They're both characterized as strikers, and this is what uh, Ryzen says. Uh, Rocky and, and Hune will be facing each other in the Ryzen ring. They have brought excitement and character to the Ryzen ring and will look to do it again in Kobe. Rocky with the hands and Jake with the kicks. Mm -hmm. On paper, this fight has a war written all over it, and damn well it does. I talked to both fighters, uh, to both Hune and Martinez. They are looking to basically make the quickest paycheck of their entire career. They want a first round knockout, and then they want and they want to go out and, and well more Hune. He wants to go out and drink. Um, but um, Rocky also told me that this is the last fight of his um of his uh, uh, Ryzen uh, contract, and he's fielded offers from other promotions as well. So basically, he called this the most important fight of his career right now because. If he wins this, you know, it's just more negotiating power for Ryzen and for everywhere else. Um, and, you know, if he loses, it's less negotiating power. Uh, for Hune, he's going back from that loss that he had against G.A. Pro Chop. Uh, Ryzen 12. Uh, excuse me, Ryzen 13. Excuse me, Ryzen, uh, Ryzen 13. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the thing about Hune is, you know, like you said, you know, Hune fought once since then, and then he uh, he fought in the Russian fight that he fought was in Siberia. It was in Russia. And his, it was basically his for fight. blood money promotion that nobody gives a damn about. Fight and he told me that, that promotion, yeah. he, he, told, he couldn't bring his fight camp with him, so it was just basically him. And, you know, so he's got no translator in Russia. He's in Siberia, the coldest fucking place on Earth, I believe. Yep. And he's fighting uh, in Russia, in Russian territory, who also, by the way, is wearing, uh, who's wearing heavier gloves, I think, uh, he told me. Yeah, he told me that, the, that, that he was given, I think, four-ounce, uh, no, he was given eight-ounce gloves, and his opponent was given four-ounce gloves, or something like there was a, a, glove, a glove weight disparity. And so, basically, he was brought in to lose. So, oh, I don't even count that... I don't even count that loss. I mean, it's on his record, but I don't count it as like an official loss in my eyes. His last loss because it was in Russia, and who knows what those guys do to American fighters who they feel have an advantage against their unsuperior fighters. Exactly. Uh, also, right now, JQ switch camps. He's no longer at um. He's no longer at Mo Tiger Muay Thai and Phuket. He's now trained Australia. Uh, he's, he's, uh, so I apologize, I forgot which... No longer training at American Top Team either, right? Oh, no, unfortunately, I just forgot, I, I forgot, fuck, he told me the team that he was training, training with, but uh, they're in, um, they're in, um, uh, in, uh, in, uh, uh, Australia, and, um, yes, yeah, so he's, uh, he switched fighting camps, uh, apparently, this is like, I don't know, I think it's like his third or fourth time, like, switching camps, I think. Uh, to, um, uh, with, like, a fight. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like this is, yeah, I feel like every time I hear about him fighting, it's with a new camp, I think. Oh, uh, absolute MMA in, um, in, uh, Australia. That's where he's, uh, training out of. Um, uh, which is in, um, Victoria, Australia. 
And so, um, let's see. I'm trying to see who's uh, who's a part of that camp. Um, absolute MMA. Uh, Jordan Showtime Lucas. Uh, Bag. Uh, uh, see any other? I mean, um, really, is there any names that he's fighting out of? I mean, that he's fighting alongside out of that fight camp? Not going to uh, what he had with, with Tiger Muay Thai. Or American Muay uh, Thai. Exactly. Um, but, uh, as for who this fight, boy, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they both knocked each other out. And we got a double knockout. Because these boys are going to be bringing them hands to this fight. This fight is not going to go on the ground until somebody gets knocked on the ground. I think this is going to be a first-round knockout. Both these guys are great. They both got character. They both are, are great personalities. You know, Rocky, for a guy who's a heavyweight, man, he's got cardio like no other, and he was surviving against Fukov before he got that elbow to the eye. He's a great underrated fighter that a lot of people don't pay attention to. Hewn, I don't think that Hewn's record really speaks for itself. I think he's a much better fighter than his, than his, records, than his record says. He's a tough guy. He's He doesn't go down unless you shoot him in the face. And you know what? Fuck the New York State Athletic Commission for that whole bullshit. Because I was there for that fight. And you know what? They, he should have been allowed to fight. Uh, continue fighting on those PFL cards. So fuck, the, for, fuck New York State. My home state. For uh, fucking with his career in America. But as for this fight. It's a tough one. I molded over when this fight was announced. Because, you know, they both. I can see them both, like I said, knocking each other out with a left hand or, or an uppercut at the same time. You know, but I think Rocky Martinez is going to take this fight. I, I think that Rocky Martinez is going to be a lot more controlled. Uh, if JQ does try to do any takedowns, which I don't think he'll honestly try to, I think that Rocky is great at, at, at takedown defense. Um... I, submission-wise, they're probably both equal, even though I think Hewn has a little bit more submission wins. I just think that sh that I think that Rocky is going to get that one is going to be able to get that one punch in, and he's going to be able to knock out Hewn. And then, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see both of them back in the horizon because I think I are going to bring it. What do you say, Dylan? Yeah, so I, I saw a good bit of these guys as well. I agree with you. I, I'm picking Rocky to win this fight. Um, he really has a great amount of size. He's the bigger man of the two, and he knows how to use it. For example, in his fight against Jerome LeBanner, when he took him to the ground and won yes. with the, the Anaconda Vice, uh, which I think would be a great strategy if he could get Hewn on the ground as well, um, even though they, they mentioned to you that they wanted a knockout. Uh, if Rocky could get him on the ground. I think he would uh, have a really good time. He's a very difficult fighter to combat uh, if he can get on top of him like that because of his uh, huge size. Hewn, like you said, there's a lot of crazy stuff in his career. He's had a very interesting career path. Uh, yeah, there may be something, some untapped potential with him, uh, I think, here. So you, you have to look out for that, never mind the record. and the. Uh, I, I saw that fight in Siberia or whatever, and he got handled pretty easily. Uh, in that one, but with a lot of questionable circumstances uh, going on here. So he may have some, a chip on his shoulder, something to prove. 
I think this could be a, a good fight here, but again, I'm going to go with the big man, Rocky Martinez, uh, to get the, get the win here. Christian? Okay. I think I got Rocky Martinez in this match because the dude, he's on a roll as of late, obviously, because... Obviously, being the dream, I mean, being the deep megaton champion, he's obviously on a roll, so he knows that he's got a lot to prove going into his next fight, especially with contract negotiations. I mean, who knows where he's going to go next? I mean, will he even be fighting to defend the megaton title down the road is the main question. Yeah, that's what's the thing, you know. If if he wins, then you know if other uh, organizations potentially want him, he might have to relinquish that title. You know, I'll just say that. If he dare goes to the octagon. Oh well, if he goes to the octagon, well that'll be. We, we do you think that UFC would even want a fighter like him? I mean, here's the thing. There's a there's UFC heavyweights. That are, the UFC heavyweight division is a lot different than your Ryzen or, yeah. or even Bellator heavyweight division. Um, do you think that maybe Bellator could even maybe make a play for him? Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if Bellator didn't make a play for him because even though he's five foot ten, the dude is two hundred sixty-two pounds of the dude is a beastly two sixty-two. So I wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't go after him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they would go after him. But if they don't, I would be really upset. Oh, yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. You know, I think that it's best that he stays with Ryzen. I think that Ryzen is probably the better promotion for a, a fighter like Rocky Martinez. Well, uh, and deep, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, deep because then you don't have to keep... Uh, you can keep that uh, deep open weight title on him, um, and for a fighter like you, you know, if 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 it does, if he does go eleven and ten, you know, again, you know, I think I think you can at least say that he still brings it regardless of whether he wins or loses. Um, I'll say this: Hewn did promise a uh, a great entrance, so we at least have that to look forward to with him. Um, I think that I think we got. I think I think this this is I think this potentially could be the most fireworks uh, fight on the card in terms of of just like excitement and action and violence. And I'm hoping that's what I'm hoping it is. And uh, yeah, that's basically all there is to say about that fight. Um, you want to go on to the next fight, Christian? Yes, I do. And the next fight, third to last, but it's probably going to be one of the best bouts on the card, if I do say so myself. I mean, Andrew, you and I both interviewed this man separately, and I think that Timothy Estruth is going to have a lot to prove to face off against Urson Batman Yamamoto. Oh, and by the way, the topology fight figures on the JQ and Rocky Martinez fight. 87% want to see Rocky Martinez knock out JQ. 
Oh, no surprise. No surprise there. But yeah, going to our third to last MMA bout. This one should be a fun little scrap. As Mr. You Can't Handle the Truth, Timothy S. Truth, will take on Ursin Batman Yamamoto. First of all, the particulars. Timothy S. Truth, 4-1 overall. Age, 37. Born March the 12th, 1982. 5 feet 6 inches tall, 135 pounds. Fighting out of Scorpion Ugh. Fighting out of Scorpion Fighting System and Chico Taekwondo. And hailing from Saginaw, Michigan, USA. This will be his international MMA debut. As he is a three-fight veteran of Warrior Extreme Challenge. Two of those three wins by way. No, wait. He is a three-fight, three-win veteran of Warrior Extreme Challenge. Two of those three wins by way of submission. He is a veteran of dual combat sports. Defeated Anthony Fleming via submission. He is a former clip Carlos Lima's. IP Bantamweight title challenger losing to Jesse Bozzi and obviously he will be making his international MMA debut fighting out of Japan and I spoke to him I mean obviously the dude was a nice guy to talk to wouldn't you agree Andrew? Oh absolutely you know he's uh, you know it's I gotta say you know it's, it's fun. for a guy like him to go from the Michigan Regionals to not fighting and potentially 10, 000, in front of 10,000 people, you know, the guy was humble as fuck. He was humble as fuck, and it was so easy to talk to and so easy to reach and just make it, make it an arranging interview for. And just also, you know, the funny thing is, he was, he was willing to talk for as long as I needed to. Mm -hmm. um, the here. interview was long. Sorry, go ahead. Same here. Yeah, exactly. It was thirty minutes. The interview was thirty minutes, but we talked for maybe twenty or twenty-five minutes after that, off air. And I eventually had to be like, "Okay, sorry, dude. I unfortunately gotta go because I gotta go eat, or else I'm gonna start to death talking to you." <laughs> but um, no, he was a great guy to talk to. Absolutely great guy. Exactly, exactly. And he was obviously the most humble about, you know, his judo background and his base. He basically said he would be a teacher if he wasn't fighting. But I'm pretty sure that no matter what, I mean, he said he wants people to write a book about him as soon as he gets, like, big and famous in this fight game. But I think that if he does well enough to the point where there will be books written about him, huh, if he does end up making this worth his while, they probably might want to make a full-page novel out of him. <laughs> oh, and um, by the way, his finish to... By the way, S-Troop's finish ratio, 66. So, probably like 80% in this case. I mean, he's like 41 overall. It's not going to be too much of a finishing ratio anyways. Close, 75%. Okay. But you're on the right track. Okay, close enough, close enough. His opponent, Ursin Batman Yamamoto, born as Ray Ikeda 
on September 9th, 1990, September 8th, 1996. He is the son of Miyu Yamamoto, who will be fighting in the de facto co-main event. As according to Tapology, five foot seven, hundred thirty-six pounds, fighting out at Gen Sports Academy, and Crazy B, hailing from Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan. He is riding a two-fight losing streak, obviously losing to Manel Cape, and then losing in, well, not losing in spectacular fashion, but losing in shocking fashion. To a retiring Little Hercules, Kazuyuki Miyata at Ryzen 14. His current Ryzen FC, no, his current Ryzen Fighting Federation record is 1 and 4. His last win was a King of the Cage victory against Jesse Rogue back on June 9th, 2017 at King of the Cage Firestarter. And that was to get into the Bantamweight Grand Prix. Which, obviously, he lost in the first round to Manel Cape. But, still. Do you see Timothy S. Truth potentially becoming a star off of this victory? And, if Yamada loses, is this time the son, as in, is, as, fuck, what am I trying to say? Is... Yamamoto's time in the sun as far as a rising fighter is over with? Or as an MMA fighter in general? Well, just a little bit more background on the two fighters. The rising characters characterize them both as grapplers. And regarding finishing rate, um, uh, Arison has only had one finish, so he only has 50%. Um, both, uh, versus Estru, um, uh, 75. 16% at best. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you have a guy who, I guess, should have been a, a big, a bigger, a better MMA fighter, but just isn't in person. Versus a guy from Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, who's 37, who started MMA actually pretty late. Uh, I think he said he started MMA around, full-time MMA, like around 26, 27, hmm. which is usually... That's a that's that's a lot of that's 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 late now. That's at least a, a late age to start MMA now, uh, comparatively to like a lot of other people when oh, they start. Come on, dude, you kind of canceling out hope for me if I ever want to get into MMA. I'm I say comparatively. Listen, listen, don't hey, listen. You're the, Christian. You you have you know the the adage black don't crack. That <laughs> that applies. <to> you. <laughs> Listen, there's a reason why DC was able to start at 34. You have that advantage. Unfortunately, I'm I'm white as fuck, so unfortunately, I think my time has already passed. You can still make it though. Yeah, just as long as I don't have a massive fucking asthma attack in the middle of the canvas. Okay. Well, besides that, besides that, but um, it's interesting. Uh, just like the dis- these two could not be more different. Also, just want to read uh some quotes from both of the fighters. Go ahead. Urson says, I'm glad to be back in the rising ring. I just became a father in February, so I need to show a good example and show a cool daddy. Tim and are to embrace the modern day always trying to lead by example standard for my children and students. 
also said, told me during this interview, and probably told you, that he's not looking to do any trash talking. He's looking to have a respectful one-on-one competition. Oh, he and, talked to me about, you know, not wanting to be a trash talker, but you could tell in his right. voice, yeah. probably in both of our interviews, that he was just humble and blessed for the opportunity. And here's what Ryzen says about both the, about about these fighters. Arison has been taking on experienced veterans in Ryzen. Tim has similar fight experience as Arison. I'm not so sure if I agree with that, but uh, yeah, with a solid, yeah. Tim has has a solid grappling game. Tim can work many submissions from his back. Arison needs to show that he can hang with fighters with his experience to follow his uncle's footsteps. Unfortunately, at this point, I think his uncle's footsteps have are way way behind him. Yeah, unfortunately, they're too big for him to gain any ground off of. Exactly. Um, whether that's his fault in the Mayfire or Ryzen trying to, you know, maybe bite off more than can they can chew with him. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But at this point, you know, I don't think Ariston can fill the shoes of Uncle Kid Yamamoto. R.I.P. Yep. I think that Tim Estruf with his judo background and his pretty darn good submission game can easily take down Ursan or if you know at worst Ursan tries to take down Tim Estruf and then we have Damian Brown Damian Crookshank all over again or you know he even gets him down but you know what Tim Estruf hey I'll just I'll just put this guy in a triangle or arm bar and submit that way I think that Tim Estruf is the much better fighter a much more experienced fighter. I don't think that age at all will have a a uh, say in this. I will say this though. So about Tim Estruf though, he can he can blow up during fights. I watched a bunch of his fights uh, on on YouTube, uh, and he can get pretty tired after round one. So hopefully though, he also paces himself during this match because he's going up against a guy who I think would pro- it's fair, fair to say has better cardio than him. Uh, being that Arison is a wrestler, uh, decorated wrestler, and he's a little younger than him. Exactly. So, I think I, I regardless though, I think Arison is just gonna is not gonna win this. Um, the only way I can see Arison winning this is so Estruf told me that he's allergic to seafood. So if if Estruf happens to accidentally eat something that has seafood in it while in Japan, good luck with that. Trying to avoid that. Then and he can't make the fight. I think that's the only way that Ursan wins this fight. I know I'm throwing shade at Ursan, but I'm just I'm as somebody who's seen all of his Ryzen fights, I can usually point to somebody who I think is a good fighter and who's not. I don't think that Ursan's a good fighter, unfortunately. I think Tim S. Truth takes this. How do you, Dylan? Yeah, I watched a good bit of Ursan as well. And I was hopeful when I first saw it. I saw his relation to Kid Yamamoto. Uh, he's somebody that I knew about e- even before all this. So I was hoping for the best for him. Uh, I think something to say, uh, he was very unimpressive to me against uh, people like Cape. You mentioned uh, Tokoro as well. It was a, a very glaring fight for me because if you look at that fight, he actually was able to get the advantage for a point on Tokoro. And then made a very boneheaded mistake. Uh, in that match that led to the finish where he basically played right into Tokoro's hand by uh, reaching in on him when he had him on the ground instead of uh, what he should have done. So, to me, like I mentioned again, 
to me, the mental tactics of fighting are as important as the physical abilities. And Yamamoto is younger, but he didn't show me anything in those fights that made me think highly of him. Uh, and actually, like I said I was very uh, disappointed in him against Tokoro because I thought he was actually overperforming but made a mistake that led to the finish. So I expect a win for S-Truth here. This is more of a, a competition case for them, though, uh, compared to fighters like Tokoro. You know, I think this is a much more fair competition for Ursan and his skill level. So I think, uh, you know, I, I do think it's possible he can win. I'm not going to dump on him that much, but I thought he was very unimpressive in the fights I saw for Ursan, and I do expect S-Truth to win. Christian? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. All I got to say is, well, actually, one thing, the topology faithful in the immortal words of one Scott Rushsteiner <coughs> are giving Timothy S. Troop a 66 and two-thirds chance at winning, which means Yamamoto's got a 33 and a third chance at winning, and that spells doom for him. But, yeah, but still, but still, I think that S. Troop, this is pretty much a make-it-break-it moment for him because mm -hmm. Ryzen has produced more, you know, MMA veterans out of the state of Michigan than in any other U.S. state, California included. So funny. Great stat. Yeah, that is a great stat. It's actually the truth. I mean, I don't know if California has more rising veterans. I may be wrong, but still, that is the truth when it comes down to that particular stat. And I think that for S-Truth, this is pretty much a star-making moment. If he wins this fight in any spectacular fashion, guess how many people are going to be wanting him to go to the UFC or go to Bellator or, you know, fight in the LFA or something like that? Exactly, yeah. This, you know, he has everything to gain from this fight. He, you know, this is, this is his moment to shine on the biggest stage ever this isn't this isn't michigan regionals or anything of that sort this is this is going to be internationally shown and he's going to be in japan you know he, he's a he's a he's a, a saginaw just a guy from saginaw who's plucked out of the air by by ryzen this is his moment to shine and i hope he makes the most of it i really do i really do and not to, so mention, you, not to mention this will be his first fight away from the Midwestern United States, especially in the state of Michigan, this will be his first fight away from the bright lights of the Motor City as a professional. Exactly, yeah. Um, just like I said, he's got to avoid the seafood because he's allergic to seafood. If he, if he eats that seafood, he's done for. He's getting knocked out by, uh, by uh, allergic reactions. Yeah, exactly. Now... The, the de facto co-main event and main event are in the super animate division. 108 pounds or 51 kilos. No, wait, actually 108 pounds or 50 kilos. But still, these two fights are going to be something incredible. The first of our two super animate contests is a bit of a generational gap matchup. As 14 and 3, Kana Asakura 
takes on the four and three fighting queen B for Crazy B, Miyu Yamamoto. You're going to be surprised at the statistics I throw. First of all, Asakura, the more experienced fighter of the two. 5'2", 104.9 pounds, age 21, born October 12, 1997. Representing Paresta Matsudo and fighting out of Kashiwachiba, Japan. <clears throat> she is a rising veteran. Uh, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. She is 6 and 1. In rising competition. No, wait, actually, no, she's six and two in rising competition. Her only losses came to Alisa Tiny Tim Garcia and Ayaka Hamasaki, which was back on New Year's Eve for the Rising Super Animate World title. This will be her first rising bout since then. And obviously, she defeated Deep Jewel's women's strawweight world champion Tomo Maisawa. But, alas, she is a veteran of deep Shudo, Pancrase, and Valley Tudo, Japan, being one of the few people to defeat Shuri Kondo in Pancrase. And, obviously, getting a couple of wins over Reina Kubota in the Rising Ring, and having a grappling match against Mika Nagano on her record. But, still, if Kano wins this fight, She's going to be back in the Animate title picture regardless of results. Her opponent, the fighting queen bee of Crazy Bee, Miyu Yamamoto. 5'1", 107.7 pounds, age 44, born August the 4th of 1974 in Kawasaki, Kanagawa, Japan. Fighting out of the Crazy Bee camp in Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan, hailing from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She is currently riding a three-fight winning streak in professional MMA. After starting her career off with two straight losses, both via submissions to Reina Kubota and the crazy Andy Nguyen, all seven of her fights have been inside the rising ring. And she avenged her losses. She avenged her loss to... Andy Nguyen at Rising 13 in a pretty emotional battle because in addition to her coming out to her brother's team, TOK's, I believe, in addition to the Fuji's Ready or Not, that bout against Andy Nguyen that she had was the first fight she fought, was the first fight she fought since the passing of her famous little brother, Kid Yamamoto. And obviously she defeated Mika Nagano back on New Year's Eve at Rising 14, and she really hopes to get a finish victory this time around. But still, you got a 14-3, 21-year-old versus the 4-3, 44-year-old who <laughs> could be old enough to be Kana's mom. So, yeah. <laughs> who do you think is going to win this fight? I'm just asking out of specifics. Before I get them, I'm just going to read some quotes from both fighters. Uh, from Kana Azakura. I have looked up to Miyu. Um, I think a word missing here that in the press release that they gave me. But it's Miyu 
it's something and as a wrestler. So I'm going to say Miyu, it was probably Miyu as a fighter and as a wrestler. I have nothing but respect for her, but on June 2nd, I will do everything I can to beat her. Miyu says, I'm happy to be able to come back to the rising ring. I know I don't have much time left as an athlete. Every fight matters, and this fight means a lot. I don't have many fights in me. I don't have that. I don't have that many fights in me, but I still want to go after the best. And uh, so uh, we got we got two people who no doubt whoever wins this fight will be the winner for the uh, whoever wins the main event, which we'll talk about shortly. But uh, it's an interesting case of. One who's the better MMA fighter, I think, in Kasakura, and Miyu, who I just think is the stronger, better wrestler, but the less, but is a better MMA fighter than what she used to be, but is still not on Conor Asakura's le- level, Miyu Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm not gonna lie, I think this is actually a lot, a, a fight that's very harder to pick um, than than it is on the surface. Um, well, you know. In the case of that fight, I think a lot of people are going to be picking Asakura just for the experience factor, even though she's only 21. Oh, yes, I know. And I know that the uh, Tapology people, uh, they, they pick Kana Asakura to win this by 86% over Miyu, 14. But here's, but I think that Miyu has really improved as an MMA fighter. Um... And while she hasn't gotten that, that, that finish to basically say that, yes, that I'm a complete MMA fighter, mm-hmm. she is still a better MMA fighter than what she used to be. Here's the, if she does, you know, with Kana, she's got to worry about those, about those submissions. Kana's, Kana is a, is a flexible, sneaky submission grappling machine. She submitted Reyna. She submitted uh, Olvera, uh, Gabriel Olvera. Uh, who's, uh, you know, trained with, uh, Amanda Nunes, um, a bunch of other finishes on her record as well, uh, by submission, but I think that Miyu is probably, sorry, Maria Oliveira, um, I think that we have seen her striking, her striking is very good, that's where Kana, I think, has still not been... Still, still needs a lot of improvement on. She still needs to, to be a best striker. We saw that Ayaka Hamazaki fight. That her striking is still not the par. We saw the Alyssa Garcia fight. You know, yeah, it was her first fight in Ryzen on the big stage. But Alyssa Garcia took her down at, at will, you know, with Josh Barnett in her corner giving advice. But, um, you know, the, the better wrestler, I think, is, is Miyu. I think she's a stronger person. And I think she's going to be the better boxer in this. How how Kana could go for a submission, I don't know. You know, it's it's very possible. But I'm going to be on man out. I think that Miyu is beat Kana Azakura, and I think this is going to she'll be next in line for the Adam Way Championship. Dylan, what do you think? You won't be on man out because I have to agree with you. Actually, uh, when I was scouting when I was scouting Miyu. Um, I was very impressed by her because she's someone that I anticipated doing research on her. Uh, she's sister of Kid Yamamoto, obviously. Her um, her sister, Seiko, is a world champion wrestler as well. Uh, and also the wife of Hugh Darvish as, as well, the Cubs starting pitcher, my favorite baseball team. So I have to shout out the Yamamoto family right now. 
Um, also, Miyu actually is good friends on a wrestling note. She's good friends with Animal Hamaguchi and his daughter Kyoko, who's also a five-time champion wrestler and Olympic bronze medalist. Uh, Animal Hamaguchi trained all of Los Ingobernables de Japón, Tetsuya Naito's faction in New Japan. So, Miyu, I expected her to be a pure wrestler, but in her fight, she actually has a very strong, aggressive side, physically, that I wasn't expecting. Um, Asakura, I thought she was very unimpressive against her fight with Hamazaki. Um, someone that I think that would be obviously a better wrestler right now. But again, another thing that I look forward fights is the mental side of it. And if you remember the finish to the Hamasaki fight, essentially she had, uh, Hamazaki really dominated most of the fight, but she got her into an armbar after a great leg trip. And Asakura did a great, you mentioned her slippery techniques when she's very flexible. She had a very great escape to get out of the armbar and then very confusingly flipped right back into the armbar. And that led to the finish of that fight. So... Uh, her mental game, I think, is lacking. I think inexperience comes with that in terms of not necessarily fighting experience, but just age experience. Uh, I think Yamamoto has the physical advantage here. I'm going with an upset special with Miyu winning, winning this match here and getting a shot next time as well. Christian? Well, when it comes down to this particular fight, I mean, I want to say experience, trumps age... But in this case, I mean, Yamamoto, I can understand Miyu Yamamoto's around a three-fight winning streak. But still, like she said herself, she's 44 years old. She's not getting any younger, and her biological fight clock is ticking. So, it'll only be a matter of time before she calls... It'll only be a matter of time before she calls it... Uh, it'll only be a matter of time before she hangs up the gloves on her professional fighting career just to take care of her kids, and her son will probably be doing the same because he now is going to have a family to take care of. But still... I want to see Asakura get the win, obviously, because she's going to want to... Get revenge on Ayaka Hamasaki, even though, unfortunately, she already had that one blemish against her. And she already fought against, I mean, she already fought against her even though she's in, I mean, even though she's a trainee of Megumi Fuji, she being Ayaka Hamasaki. But still, if Miyu Yamamoto wins this fight over... Kana Asakura in any way, shape, or form, I mean, any way, shape, or form, I will at least be happy for Miyu because, hey, she needs that chance because she wants to at least show her late great brother that she's gonna keep his memory alive. And the same goes for Urson against Timothy S. Troop, even though I want S. Troop to win that fight so badly. I think that you also, I think she has to finish this fight. I don't think she can just depend on wrestling. Because mm-hmm. I think I think that's the one thing. That's you know, that's the funny thing is that we, we keep on bringing up Kid Yamamoto. One of the things that we can always depend on Kid Yamamoto was, he's going to go in there and finish that fight. Mm-hmm. He's going to go and finish that fight in the first, second, or third round, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. He's not going to wrestle these people down to the ground and hold them down. Mm-hmm. That's what Miyu's 
uh, Forte. Uh, and I think that's the one thing that she has to do, really, to, to true. I mean, she gets to win by how she's won over other fights. You know, she gets to win. But, but to get the, the exclamation point, the capital W, I think she has to finish Kana Azakura to show that, that, she is, that she is there to continue or to at least, you know, at least, you know, that she's there to, she, she, she's there to continue Kid's legacy as being the exciting, as that exciting, explosive finishing fire that everybody loved, that, that would make kids so exciting. Um, I also just want to add, though, that it used to be that Miyu's um, uh, Achilles heel was submissions, because that's how she was losing all of her fights. I watched her fight at uh, Quintet, Fight Night 3, mm-hmm. where they had all the women um, competing against one, each other, one another, and she, she lasted much longer than against Yusasa Rikaku, Rikako, who was one of the best grappling women out there. I think she was, um, I'm trying to remember, was she with, uh, I'm trying to remember which uh, team she was on, uh, but she was, she's, I think she's like 16 or 17, she's a, like a real young age, um, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, um, uh, the other Japanese lady who was on, uh, who was like 16 or 17, um, but yeah, uh, Yusasa Rikaku, Rikaku is one of the top grappling, uh, women in the world, and she was able to last up to, up almost, uh, about six, seven minutes-ish, before, um, before, uh, she was able to, uh, before she got tapped out. So, I think that right now, I think that the submission stuff, she'll still have to work, look out for on Kana's, uh, as a girl side, but I think that your submission defense has gotten a lot better, um, especially when I was watching that, uh, grappling tournament. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think she has to finish this fight. Uh, and also, it'll also help her in deciding if she should get a title win. A title shot, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the winner of the next match. Yep. But I'm definitely looking forward to this fight. I think this fight is is, is definitely going to be an exciting one. It's definitely one of those what-if fights. And those are, those are fights I always look forward to. Of like, what if so-and-so, so-and-so. Uh, but, yeah, we're looking forward to this fight. And, um, shall we go on to the, what we perceive as to be the main event, Christian? Well, to be quite honest, it's a main event that's been, if I'm not mistaken, almost three years in the making. It's a main event that's basically going to be a rematch of a fight that had a very disputed stoppage, even though... It was well-timed, but it's a main event that isn't going to be for, I mean, it's a main event that's pretty much not going to be for those who like long, boring fights. It's going to be a main event for the hardcores. It's going to be a main event that everybody is going to want to watch now that, unfortunately, Tenshin Nasakawa is out of the picture Unless Rising can scramble for an opponent. But still. This is going to be the main event. And yet another champion versus champion match. Only this time it's going to be for the Rising Super Animate Championship 
of the world. Introducing the particulars first for the challenger. Five feet three inches tall, 104 and a half pounds with a 65 inch reach. She is 34 years old. Born May the 20th, 1984. No, born May the 20th, 1985, somewhere in Arkansas, a graduate of University of Texas at Arlington, fighting out at Genesis BJJ, and hailing from Arlington, Texas. Her professional MMA record is eight wins and three losses, currently riding a, currently riding a two-fight winning streak with wins over Mina Grusender, and obviously losing to Seo Hee Han back on December 23rd, 2017. She is Jin Yu Frey. But drop the Frey part, and she's just Jin Yu. Her opponent is 17 and 2 overall. 5 feet 1 inch tall, 115.7 pounds. Age 37, born March the 31st of 1982 in Sanyo uh, Onoda, Yamaguchi, Japan, fighting out of Abeyane Combat Club under Megumi Fuji in Ota City, Tokyo, Japan. A jujitsu, no, a judo practitioner, she is riding a three-fight winning streak after losing her last Invicta fight via controversial Knockout, 1 minute 41 seconds to now current UFC fighter, Libya Hinata Limvinha Sosa. But obviously, she will be looking to turn that 0-1 into an 0-2 with another victory over Jin Yu Frey. The current rising super animate champion of the world, Ayaka Hamasaki. Now... Let me go ahead and get my prediction out of the way before you talk about, I mean, before you, Andrew, put over what over, I mean, put over what these two women had to say. I think that when it comes down to this fight, Jin Yu Frey has improved a little bit more, even though all she had to show for it were three decision victories, two against the same woman. And a very spirited 4 minute and 40 second loss to C.O. Ham. But I think that... I think that Jin Yu is going to be looking to seek some revenge. I think that Ayaka Hamasaki is going to try her hardest to try and do what she did in that first fight. But I think that Jin Yu Frey probably might take the upset. And look to add two belts on two. I mean, look to add two belts on her shoulders. But interesting thought. And interesting also thought. the. Uh, but before you guys give your predictions, I think that I no. Before you guys give your predictions to Tapology Fight Predictors are basically saying that Ayaka Hamasaki has an 89% chance at winning this fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I'm just going to briefly read the quotes by both fighters that they provided. Jin Yu Frey says, I have waited two and a half years for this opportunity. It's time to sell the score. 
So yeah, you're not wrong. She she's got a chip on her shoulder in this fight. Hamazaki says, "I fought Frey two and a half years ago, and I know it's going to be a tough fight. I won by a cut, but she may, had me in some dangerous situations in the first round. And I can confirm that because I I rewatched the uh, first fight that they had, um, and Frey I think easily won that first round. This time, I would like to dominate her in every aspect and make her not ever want to fight me again. So." As for my prediction, I've been uh, on the Hamazaki train for a long time. When people were saying that Kana Azakura was going to steamroll through steamroll through her at the last Ryzen show where they fought, I was like, no, Hamazaki is going to destroy her. And that's exactly what happened. And the fight was almost ruined by an eye poke by Azakura, which was the only thing that she did memorable in that fight. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> regarding who wins... I think that Hamazaki is the better fighter. I know that Frey has gotten better overall. Uh, I think that Hamazaki, I think that Hamazaki right now is the best, contrary to what one says, is the best uh, fighter at 105 pounds. Uh, and right. And I don't know anybody who who can or who has can potentially defeat her. The only two losses she's ever had. Uh, Hamazaki was when she went up the straw weight. And she hasn't fallen a straw weight, I believe, since uh, that last one against uh, Souza that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the other one was against uh, Claudia Gehela. Uh Now, uh, I think she's with UFC now, I think. Yeah, both of the fighters that she lost to are now both UFC competitors. Exactly. So, you know, but she's she's defeated Kana Zakura. She's defeated uh, ha- Hamazaki Hamdule, I believe, twice. Um, she defeated Emmy. She's defeat. If you can think of a fight of a Japanese fighter, uh, at 105, Hamazaki, nine out of ten chances fought them and defeated them. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, Emmy Fujino, uh, Mizuki Inoue, um, who missed weight for her last fight, uh, for that Invicta Championship. Mayuchi, um, who many people are saying, well. Someone is saying that she's the yes. best fighter out of Japan, which is a goddamn exactly. lie. Exactly. <laughs> Mina Kurobe, Alyssa Garcia. Yeah, these are people. If you, she's defeated everybody. Uh, the, uh, you know, the only people who she hasn't fought so far are Miyu and Reina, and probably the fight won't happen since they both train the same camp. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know. This match is deserved. I think it's a deserving uh, now main event, uh, considering the circumstances of how the first fight was lost, uh, went, I should say. But I think that Hamazaki, I just don't see how what Frey can bring differently to Hamazaki's time. I can see Hamazaki easily taking her down and submitting her if she wants. And if you want to talk about fights ending in cuts, guess what? We learned that, 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 that's, that's, they've, at the last show, they were stopping fights because of bloody noses. Uh, and and swipe out the bloody noses just because of television. So, God only you know, God only knows you know what happens if if Hamazaki or Frey you know they punch one another and a, and one of them breaks her nose and nose won't stop bleeding. Who knows? Maybe it'll stop the fight then, or a cauliflower ear explodes and it, and it's, it's it's James Thompson versus Kimbo Slice all over again. Yeah, uh, but you know, so but regardless of that, I think Hamazaki is just a better fighter. Uh, she's the best one hundred five pound fighter in the world right now. 
that's something that's a hill I'm willing to die on. I think that Hamazaki wins. What about you, Dylan? Yeah, you won't have to die on it on this show because I completely agree with you. Hamazaki is impressed in every fight I've seen her in. Uh, very well-rounded performer, in my opinion. Somebody that can do great things controlling the fight. And especially on the ground, that would be her strength. And I can definitely see this ending in a tap-out. Uh, Jin Frey, I was impressed with as well with what I, I saw of her. In the, first fright, uh, in the first fight, I have to agree with you that she was winning the first round uh, originally, the, the cut was pretty deep, uh, the, the, but she did do a good job in the first round that she did on there. Uh, so I think Frey can bring something to this fight. I think she's going to bring something to the, tra- to the table. And she has a chip on her shoulder, which I think could carry her to win a round or two early. I don't think this will be a blow-away win for Hamasaki. I think. But of- Hamasaki is just too talented. So I'm going to go with Hamasaki while giving respect to Frey. But that's my pick for this fight. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that sentiment. No, it's not that phrase of a bad fight. I just said that, that Hamazaki is better in every way. She can knock her out if she wants to. She can split her over again if she wants to, and she can submit her if she wants to. Um, also, here's the thing: Phrase uh, is going to uh, different fighting territory. She's gonna be fighting in a ring now. This won't be a cage. It's not an evicted cage. She's got to fight differently. She's gonna. Um, I think uh, I don't know if elbows are allowed or. Um, I think you know. Are more they doing pride? More than likely, elbows probably won't be allowed in this case. If that's the case, okay, then you know, then you know, then hopefully it won't be another cut. You know, that that decides a fight. Um, it's three five minute rounds. Uh, five three minute rounds. Excuse me. And um, so you know, no pride championship. It's probably gonna be five five minute rounds. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, so... Yeah, so, I know, other than the ring, you know, it's, you know she's a champion herself, Frey, Invicta. She is not, a. Uh, she's not used to, she's, she's used to fighting those rounds, so... But, um, I also did see her, I did see her fight against, uh, Hamdale in, uh, Road FC. I was actually watching that live when it happened, when, uh, the UCF show's live on YouTube. Yeah, with the awful commentary team. That fight live too. <laughs> yeah, and the awful commentary team that they have. And uh, Hondurle, oof, just walloped uh, the Texas native, um, can you pray? Uh, uh, and North it was... Texas native. Yeah. I mean, she's Sorry, North Texas. Arlington after all. <laughs> North Texas, excuse me. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing is that, you know, even though she's only had, she's been finished twice, they have been with people who are dangerous strikers, and I think that Hamazaki is a very dangerous striker. But I think I think the submission is going to be submission win, submissions are going to be the deciding factor. I think that's how Hamazaki will win this fight and retain the Ryzen Super M weight championship. And that is all the fights. Um, I'm just curious to know overall. Uh, Dylan, what do you think about the fight card overall? Is there any fight that you're particularly looking forward to the most? And, yeah, just overall thoughts. Uh, yeah, to me, I think that this card is getting kind of a bad rap when it comes to a lot of the Western MMA fans, uh, mainly because of tension getting knocked off, as well as the large amount of kickboxing fights on the card. But as I mentioned, that doesn't bother me personally. I think they've got some quality fights here. 
Uh, especially, I think the two main events, uh, the women's matches, I think are my most anticipated. I would like to see what happens with uh, Rake and J- Jake. I think that'll be well. And I'm really looking forward to the Crookshank and Musiad fight. I think that's a really underrated fight. And also, I, I did think we uh, kind of faded Yamaguchi and Shiratori. I think that's going to be another sleeper fight. So when you consider those all those five matches, this could be a really good show. It's something that a lot of people may be down on early on. But after the show's over, I think they'll come across uh, very satisfied if they watch it. So I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty into this right now. I hope it'll be a good show. Christian? Uh, yeah. When it comes All right, to... Oh, what are your thoughts on? I mean, it's like I said. I think that when the... When the original card was announced, it was pretty cool to see the amount of kickboxing belts and the amount of MMA belts on the card just to, you know, tone down the flow of the fight card. It would have been probably a lot better if they would have had seven MMA belts and seven kickboxing belts and then you would have had one style after the other and then vice versa. But still, I think regardless of how many fights have been taken down just for you know, the context of not finding the right opponent, or in the case of the Tenshin Nasakawa fight, an opponent pussying out. I mean, this fight is still gonna be something worth talking about, and, you know, I just hope that if people are, I just hope that if people are not that vengeful against Ryzen for stuff like this, they would actually shell out their 20 bucks well 19.99 or 20 fight credits just to watch the event and actually get a glimpse of something that's way more exciting than what we're usually used to seeing in a so-called octagon yeah um i'm basically agree with both of you um but i think that uh, i think maybe they could have cut one or two kickboxing matches maybe I don't know if we need to see Kengo. I'm not so sure. We'll have to wait and You're see. always picking on Kengo right now. Exactly. Right here. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, you know, since we lost the tension fight, presuming that they don't put somebody up there and try to rebook that fight, we lost one. So, you know, I guess, you know, I kind of, like, got my wish, but in a underhand sort of way. But, you know, one of the things I do hope, you know, I hope that this card flows very well. I hope that they space the kickboxing and the MMA matches uh, very well, you know, uh, and also, I hope that there's a lot of exciting fights. The last card that just happened, Rise of 15, started out exciting, and then just lulled and went to a stop, then got a little bit exciting again. And I can tell you, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., with two 45 intermission, uh, 45-minute intermissions, or however long they were, you know, if, if, if a fight goes the distance and not a lot of stuff happens, it takes its toll on you, your brain cell. So I'm just hoping, I hope the fighters bring this. And that's why, you know, I hope people like Tim Eshroof, Kyle Hyatt, people who haven't been on the big stage will realize this is a time to show what I am fucking great at. And then, I, and then they can, you know, they, they don't come there 
to just, you know, score points on a judge's scorecard. They come there to... But the unified shed... rules. <laughs> exactly. To, to so for soccer kicks and for bloodshed. Uh, I do hope also, as opposed to Rise of 15, we get a lot more interesting entrances as well. That was the one thing about Rise of 15 I forgot to mention that I did not enjoy was that nobody really had that grand entrance that that entrance that stood out. They all just kind of came out and did their thing. I'm hoping Jake Hewn, though, keeps his word and has that exciting entrance that he said that uh, he told me about. Hmm. Is it good uh, than his Con Air entrance from Ryzen 13? Was that Con Air or was that Top Gun? Oh, it was Top Gun. Oh, right, right, right. That was Top Gun. Stupid me. He came out, thinking yeah, he came out to the... Uh, do a, a Danger Zone song as well, uh, the Brian Adams song from that uh, from that uh, Terrible Ease movie, um, and um, yeah, so he didn't divulge the details, mm -hmm. but he did promise something very uh, that would stand out. So I trust him on that. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. So it's uh, I think I hope this card can be good. Um, and I hope, you know, you know, Dylan, you know, I hope that you, I hope you're able to uh, to listen to this uh, preview podcast. Maybe I don't know if it makes you more excited for the card or, you know, you have a different look on it. Uh, but you know, I hope you get, I hope you get, watch the card, whatever you do. And, you know, you become more, just more and more entrenched in this world of JMMA and, uh, Kakutobi. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it right now. I can't wait to see the card. I'll definitely be watching it. Uh, you know, I'll hit fight.tv to get that, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to go with it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the card. Like I said, those five matches I specifically pointed out are up my alley. So uh, I'm expecting good things, and uh, I'll hopefully continue this for a long time to come. I hope so, too. Uh, unfortunately, I have to go to a barbecue, so I think we're going to have to cut it a little bit short. But I want to uh, pass it over to Christian. To basically give, give the, uh, let me go get those ahead and do that right now. For those of you that enjoy what we list, what we basically put our voices on to, you can check out the We Are Rising podcast on SoundCloud. Just go to soundcloud.com and search for the We Are Rising podcast. That's W E A R E R I Z I N, all in one word. For me, it's Focus Fights. On Twitter, at Focus Fights, Facebook.com slash Focus Fights as well. We cover combat, sports, events, and prospects from all over the globe. The MMA scenes of Japan, South Korea, Russia, the UK, the US, and throughout South America will be emphasized. But right now, Focus Fights only has Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, which you can go search up YouTube.com and then search up Focus Fights. F-O-C-U-S-F-I-G-H-T-S. Also on Facebook, the MMA Opinion Facebook blog. Facebook.com slash the T-H-E-M-M-A-O-P-I-N-I-O-N. And also, one more plug for Mr. Dylan Zero. You can check out the Eastern Lariat Podcast on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcast, or just check out MLWRadio.com because just like Japanese MMA, 
the world of MLW Radio never stops. But still, that's about it for us.